In July, a noodle shop owner in southern Guangxi was arrested on charges that he poisoned customers at a rival business by putting rat poison in its soup. Nobody died, but 57 people were hospitalized and complaining about the bitter taste. The poison used on Saturday was called Dushu Quang, which is made with tetramine, which attacks the nervous system. The poison was banned in 1991. The poisonings have occurred in China as it prepares for the the 16th Congress of the Communist Party, during which a major reshuffle of China's leadership is expected. China's Ministry of Propaganda has recently admonished China's journalists, all of whom work for the state, to limit their reports about negative issues, like people being poisoned in a competing eatery. Little stuff like that. Well, I noticed that poll is sure taking a long time getting up there today. You think that maybe Eric's overslept today? Maybe. I'll call him. No, you don't have to call him. He's on it. Maybe I should read it one more time. Maybe he's confused. Maybe he's pissed because I didn't fax it to him this morning. Well, I was... See, I'm not going to have time to be faxing too many polls here because now we have these very important confabs. First, we have the salespeople come in there, especially P.D. Lenny, who I never want to hear from again. And then we get now not just one program director, but we get two of them for the price of one. We get Clarence in there, and then we get Duff. And by the way, Duff, I'm not potching around with the engineers at 1 o'clock. Let them deal with the engineer up here, okay? Let him deal with it. Don't you think that's a good idea? Yeah, sure. Whatever see, you say. see, we got we got the salespeople that want me to uh, make up the copy for them, and now we got the engineering people want me to be the engineer for them too. I don't, I don't think so. I'm in the wrong union for all that stuff. Nine twenty-six at five sixty. You see, two can play hardball. Okay, <laughs> two can play that game. I'm just, uh, I'm laying out. One o'clock. I'm out the door. I'm going to lunch. See you, Duff. Eight hundred and sixty-three votes are final tally from yesterday, and Eunice wins sixty-five percent of your trust and belief. That Yahoo lady from Georgia. We believe she didn't make up that story. And that one guy with that bad doily man, he didn't help their cause at all. Get some better headgear, sweetheart. Can't hurt. And trim that beard. Yeah, trim that uh, grotesque-looking growth. And the beard, too. Do you like the West Boca? Your official Atkins Diet Retail Center reminds you that all Atkins brand products are 25% off every day. Delights carries the complete line of Atkins Diet products as well as over 500 delicious low-carb and sugar-free foods. So schlep over to a Delights. As reported recently in the New York Times on CNN, Dateline, NBC, and CBS News, the Atkins diet continues to be one of today's most popular and successful diets. Low-carb dieting is finally getting the respect it be deserving, and Delights of West Book has been the leader in the low-carb, sugar-free diet for uh, years. So schlep over there, even if you schmitz your brains out. Over 100,000 of their customers will testify there is no better store, there's no competition, and Delights absolutely will not be undersold. And you know they have to be good people because they put up with P.D. Lenny as their A.E., and you can sample anything from their incredible selection. You can try it before you buy it, before you pop it in your puss. Delights friendly and knowledgeable staff will walk you through the store, point you in the right direction, and cheer you on as the pounds come flying off that big chubby body of yours. Don't forget, there's only one Delights of West Boca. They're open every day, seven days a week till 10 p.m. You'll find them on the northeast corner of Glades and 441 in most prestigious Boca where What's-His-Name lives. Call 1-877-LOW-CARB or check them out on the web at lowcarb.com. My and local. This is Sports Radio 560. QAM. Online at WQAM.com. All right, souls. Yesterday, Sammy Smith fumbled a ball away. Oh, right. We knew that bum never knew how to play. I can't believe what happened yesterday. Yesterday, the playoffs didn't seem so far away. Thanks to Sammy, now there is no way. Oh, yesterday, such royally. Why you drop that ball 
932. You know, that's uh, Paul Castronova. You're aware of that. Of course. And one of his three great bits. The other one was Rick Sanchez's board game. And then the other one, what was the other one? Uh, the Tumblers, the Sammy Smith Tumblers. And then there was a Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I right. think we got about five or six of them, as a matter of fact. Nice going there, Paul. And I think all of those are original, too. Well, don't get carried away. Fifteen votes. The poll is up there on neilrogers.com. A very important listener survey as we try to find out why our noon to one hour is down. And, of course, that all goes back to Greg Reed messing with our schedule again. But I love nine to one. I wouldn't go back to ten to two for all the money in the world. Sure did a turnaround on that, didn't I? Yeah. Well, see, you got you got to try new things. You got to give him a chance before you start getting sour. Remember that Neil? He changes his mind a lot, and he's never. And don't use. forget, the only reason I got sour on it is because the audience was grumbling. Oh, we don't like this. This sucks. Well, too bad. Okay, I like it. I like it. It's my life. It's my freaking job. It's my show. I like it. Fifteen votes. Neil, we listen to Neil. Ten. Ten out of fifteen. That's not too good. That's only two thirds. See what I'm saying? Well, you know, remember you got the game players. I don't have Rush, that yet. No, Rush 2, other one, Bill O'Reilly 1, and Music 1. So, in other words, uh, 9 to noon is enough for them. And that big noon to one hour. We better right. start working on that because it blows. <laughs> no, actually, noon to one hour is pretty damn good. I use uh, If you've been turning it out, you're missing all the good stuff. But that's okay. Here's some good stuff that you'll like. Sunday season premiere of The Sopranos was the... Oh, and guess what I saw last night? An old Sopranos episode. Oh, that was on, too. It's on every night. In fact, which I saw about two minutes of it again. I couldn't stand it. It was the one where he was chewing them out because they're not making enough money, and he was yeah. throwing the uh, bucket of ice at the uh, bartender. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was the new one. That was the new one? That was uh, the one from this Sunday. Oh, I see. He's uh, always, he's always, the bartender's always getting hit with things like phones. See, you know what this reminds me of? It's like MASH to me. I'm just giving you my own personal perspective. Uh -huh. MASH. Everybody watch MASH. I hated right. MASH. But I never you, watched it. You don't have a perspective. Yes, I do. No, I, I, I don't, it's on every single night. They got a different episode on my movie channels you here. I can't, I can't stick with it long enough to get into it. I don't like it. You haven't watched it. I don't want to see it. You haven't watched it. You are the biggest little hard ass. I'm telling you, it's the best thing. That's Sunday ever been on season television. premiere of The Sopranos was, in addition to which, the thing where he's hitting the guy with the ice bucket. It was so yeah. obviously a ripoff of the thing where Sonny is hitting yeah. Carlo, sure. Carlo in right. the Godfather with, with the lid from the uh, trash you're, can. You're watching disjointed. You ever images. touch my sister again? I'll you're kill watching you. disjointed images. I will not watch it. All right. Can I get through this story? Okay. We only got to 11 o'clock for this stuff. In addition to which, they're going to start turning off at 11 now if you keep this up. All right. Sunday season premiere of The Sopranos was the most watched show in HBO's 30-year history and whacked every network show in its time slot. The fourth season premiere averaged 7.9 million households. That's a whopping 13.4 million viewers from 9 to 10 p.m. as the Mobsters on Prozac series returned after a 16-month hiatus. This is by Michael Starr in today's New York Post. More impressive is that HBO is seen in only a third of the homes that get ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox, and The Sopranos beat its competition on all those networks. How do you like that? I like it a lot. Everything comes to a stop. See, now, I didn't have to read this story. I pick and choose here whatever the hell I want to put on here. And then the fact that I don't enjoy it or I'm not watching it, well, what does that have to do with the price of peas? Nothing. It's news. The show even bested ESPN's traditionally top-rated Sunday night NFL game, which averaged 11.3 million viewers. And the 13.4 million viewers who watched The Sopranos on Sunday dwarfed the number for last season's premiere, which netted 11.3 million viewers in 6.8 million households. Keep track of these numbers. Write them down. All right. On Sunday show, mob boss Tony Soprano dealt with money problems. His uh, wife, his wild child daughter, uh, Meadow, was deciding what to do with her life, and Christopher continued to take care of business and feed a growing drug habit. Also back was Tony's wacky sister, Janice, and the rest of the Soprano's crew, including Polly Walnuts in jail in Ohio, Silvio and Ralph. 
The Sopranos has been off the air since wrapping its third season in May 2001. Series creator David Chase said he needed more time to sculpt the fourth season, and his efforts appear to have paid off. The mobsters easily blew away their rivals. After the ESPA endgame came, well, forget about that. Well, no, maybe people want to know. After the uh, football game, NBC's Law and Order Criminal Intent had 10.8 million viewers, followed by Fox's The Lost World, 9.4 million, ABC's Notting Hill, 7.9. So you never let me uh, tell you what I saw last night. What did you see last night? I saw, uh, and it gets on another one of those movie channels, and I have no idea why they show all these episodes. It was the last episode of Smallville. Oh. Yeah. It was, w, it was WB. I have no idea why it's on that movie channel. I guess they just show whatever right. they want to show. They're showing that... um, previews for they're going to start the series over again, like like syndicated, syndicated, something like that, from the very beginning again on the WB really? down here. So anyway, I had forgotten how traumatic that last episode was. It's a good thing I saw it because it gets me ready for next Tuesday's first episode of this season. Yes. Or they pick up where, uh, what's his name, Lex Luthor's uh, father, his obnoxious, nasty father, is lying there cut under the, uh, that thing, under that beam. And Lex has got the blood pouring from his eye and giving him that evil eye look, you know. And then, of course, what's her name? Talana. Yes. Is that her name? Lana Lang. She's uh, in that red pickup truck that she borrowed from Janet. <laughs> and that thing is, the tornado is blowing right. that thing up in the air. Now, this is interesting because Clark, of course, can't fly yet. Yet. And the tornadoes have taken that thing and picked it up right in the air, and she's inside. Yeah, but can't he leap really high? Well, he can leap. He, In fact, he's uh, got Leapy Lee with him this, in this episode. He's doing leaping at tall bounds. And so he's got to take care of her. And then what's his name? Whitney. I guess he must not going to be on this season. The blonde kid? Yeah. Who I used to think wasn't too bad looking, but after seeing him last night, they either must have run out of makeup because they had to have all the special effects. But he's looking pretty nasty. But anyway, he went off to join the Army or something, didn't he? I don't. I, I she, she drove him to the bus station, and they said a tearful goodbye. And he said to Clark, "I've been really nasty to you, yada yada yada. I apologize and take care of Lana." And Clark said, "Oh, I, you bet I will." Although I couldn't get laid in Amsterdam, he said. <laughs> no, I, I mean that you know. But of course, it's a fantasy show, so why should he be uh, getting a lot of action? Okay, you don't want your superhero to be getting laid. Why not? What about Dean? What about Dean Kane? When that uh, what, now? What was the name of that Superman show? Lois and Clark. Okay, did he get laid on there? I, I don't know. I only watched, like, one and a half episodes of that. I mean, he looks pretty good with a lot of makeup I, I on to cover they, up those zits. I think they were working towards it, but I don't know if they actually ever wound up in the sack. They were working on it? Lois and Clark, right. <laughs> they were having a romance, in other words, but I don't know if they actually did it. Oh, brother. Well, it's a good thing they're not doing it now, because you do understand. John Ascroft announced, along with Tom Ridge last night, probably it was past your bedtime, that since we're under orange alert, you're mm -hmm. only allowed to have one orangeasm per week. <laughs> yeah. That's right. No, I missed that. I was watching the next two episodes of The Sopranos. See, this night. isn't looking too good for our noon to one hour, boys and girls. I think uh, three hours of this crap is enough. I think a three-hour show sounds great. Excellent. Oh! What do you listen to most days in the noon to one hour? Neil 33. This is out of 46. Rush 5. These are the emotional cripples who can't handle the truth, who want to hear more of that right-wing bull crap. Bill O'Reilly 4. See that? Music 2. Jim Rome 1 and other ones. See, my pers perspicacious are what? I know the lay of the land. I know what's going on. And that's fine. That's fine. If you want to hear the right-wing horse crap and you want to hear that the Bushmeister is a wonderful guy who never stole a freight train and you can't handle the fact, the truth about Cheney and all these other fascist pigs and all these crooks, uh, that, that's fine. Oh, I'm sorry, Neil. I was listening to Rush. You ought to apologize. You ought to go to the goddamn uh, Pope and, and pray for forgiveness. Let him rub your bald spot a little bit. 
939, 21 till 10 at 560 WQM. we got Jim Mandage at 1, following our noon to 1 hour, which most of you won't be listening to. Hank Goldberg at 3, Marlon's on deck. And look at that, Hank's got nobody in the 5 to 6 hour. Heavy duty today, Humper. <laughs> three and a half hours, baby, three and a half hours. 6.30 to 7.05, Marlon's on deck. Marlon's and the Spos at 7.05. Uh, Eddie Kay after the baseball game and Joe and Mark overnight. The Dirty Boys. You want to take your family out for a fabulous feast. And didn't Skippy tell me last week he was going to send me some new copy for Emerald Coast? I don't recall. Yes, he did. You were sitting right there when he said well, something. Did he send it to me? No. No, he did not. And that's okay because I probably would have torn it up and discussed anyway, Skippy. So forget about it, okay? You're an idiot. You're an idiot who goes, hee hee, like a little girl. Only a little girl goes, hee hee, like that. Even little girls don't do that, I don't think, except in the comic books. Like maybe Nancy might have gone, hee hee, you think so? I don't know. I'll go check. Remember, remember Nancy? I remember Nancy. Yeah, I love Nancy. And Sluggo? And Sluggo was great. Uh, is that still in the uh, comics? No, I haven't seen it. Oh. I think she is, but at least she's on TV. There was a Nancy uh, thing on TV a couple weeks ago. On one of these Canuck stations here on my cable. Anyway, if you want to go out for a real feast, the Emerald Coast has been the place for several years now. It is fantastic. The food is fresh. It's delicious. There's all kinds, not just Oriental food, but all kinds of other goodies, too. And you can just eat as much as you want. You go back over and over again, just keep slugging it in your mouth, in your pants, under your armpits. And they got three locations for you now. They're in Sunrise, North Miami Beach, and now in Pembroke Pines. Six different kind of delicious soups. Like I said, dozens of all kinds of mouth-watering entrees. Surf and turf on the weekends with Alaskan king crab and New York strip steak made to your order at the Gourmet Center. That's a sizzling Asian grill featuring teriyaki steak, shrimp, chicken, seafood, hand-carved primer. Like I said, cooked to your order. And the Emerald Coast Buffet has also got a full salad bar. they got sushi and fresh shrimp cocktail, too. And if you have a little bit of room left in your pants at the end of the meal, slide some pies and cakes, pastries, ice cream with all your favorite toppings, fresh fruit, slide it all down your gullet. Emerald Coast with three locations, Sunrise at Pine Island and 44th Street, Collins Avenue, they're just north of 163rd Street and North Miami Beach, and Flamingo and Pembroke Roads in Pembroke Pines. They accept reservations, takeout and delivery available as well. Call 954-572-3822. And don't forget, surf and turf on the weekends now, too. 954-572-3822 for the unbelievably delicious Emerald Coast Chinese buffet. Live and local, this, this is 560. The radio is all yours now. QAM.
947 at 560 WQAM. He's one of my favorites. 75 votes on a poll. What do you listen to most days in the noon to one hour? Neil, 59, 78.6%. But Rush, 6, Bill O'Reilly, 4, Music, 3, other two, and Jim Rome. Romy, be having one. How do you like that? People have deserted us at noon. I'm sure, though, I'm very confident that we'll make up for that other 20% or so that we're missing out, 21%. Yes. Once those, once those billboards go up, <laughs> once that big advertising promotional campaign goes up that Greg and his uh, Jew attorney lied about right to our face a year ago in February. I mean, any minute now, those billboards are going to go up all over town. Oh, guess what? Neil Rogers is on now on QM 9 to 1. How do you like that? Noon to 1 hour. We need some help. We need some serious help in that noon to 1 hour. It's a good thing I took that poll because uh, we have, you have to know where you are. You have to keep a step ahead of these bastards. Marijuana is medicine in Santa Cruz, says CBS News. Rhymes with calling Santa Cruz a sanctuary from federal authorities. Medical marijuana advocates joined by city leaders passed out pot to about a dozen sick people at City Hall yesterday. Santa Cruz is a special place, and today we're letting the world know how compassionate we can be. Mayor Christopher Crone said Tuesday we're taking a stand. More than a 1,000 community members jammed into the garden-like courtyard for a supportive demonstration during the giveaway. Some held signs reading, DEA go away and U.S. out of Santa Cruz. Several people in the crowd lit marijuana cigarettes, but it was mostly an alcohol and drug-free gathering, which is what organizers requested. But several people in the crowd lit marijuana cigarettes. Marijuana is illegal as a medicine or as a recreational drug under federal law. But stay, and you know the interesting part of this for all you right wingers out there, what was always the battle cry? States of the right rights. States, states rights. rights. Yeah, states rights. When it came to abortion, whether it came to anybody's individual rights, women's rights. Oh no, states rights, which of course was a code word for racism, and the sexism and any otherism, homophobia, you name it. But now all of a sudden we got a different story. To hell with states' rights because we got this war on drugs going on, baby, and nobody's going to dick with us. Marijuana is illegal as a medicine or as a recreational drug under federal law, but state law and county and city ordinances say it's legal if recommended by a doctor. DEA spokesman Richard Meyer said he was appalled by Tuesday's event and feared the community is sending a dangerous message to children. Marijuana is an illegal drug in this country, he said. In other words, that would be like if they would have sat around drinking Budweiser, Bud right. Lights. Yes, wouldn't that have been a dangerous message to send to children? Were there any children smoking pot in that crowd? No. Oh. But Mike Corral, who helped distribute the marijuana, said the only message sent was that marijuana is medicine. In Santa Cruz and many California communities, local law enforcement works closely with growers and distributors who help sick people obtain marijuana. Crone and his colleagues didn't handle the marijuana Tuesday, but stood in solidarity with the clinic workers and users. Police Chief Steve Belcher said his officers didn't plan to arrest registered legitimate members picking up their medicine. However, he said, this is not going to be a smoke-out at City Hall. <laughs> People who showed up to smoke marijuana without a doctor's recommendation could face arrest, he said. Could, but they didn't. The City Hall pot distribution comes less than two weeks after DEA agents arrested the owners of a local pot farm and confiscated 130 plants that have been grown for use as medicine. Alaska, Colorado, Hawaii, Maine, Nevada, Oregon, and Washington also allow marijuana to be grown and distributed to people with a doctor's prescription. And the federal government is pissed off and fired up about it, baby. They're going to come and nail your ass. Even if you're in grotesque pain, if you can't even, if you'd rather be dead, you're in such pain. And the wicked weed is the only thing that gives you that blessed, desperate relief. Just like Norm's a friend. What's your name, the old broad? I forget. You know what I'm talking about in Broward. And don't fax it to me, Norm, okay? go. Oh, that's right. He can't. He's going on the air now on FTL. We should have put that on there, too. The 10 to 11 hour. Just to goose up his ego a little bit. He'd have voted on there a hundred times. I guarantee you that. Anybody listen to Norm Kent's 10 to 11 hour? No. BC High ex-coach to face charges. Not more of these pre-stories. You faxed me two of them in a row here. 
Sorry. Don't be sorry. Okay. The Reverend James F. Talbot, a Jesuit. <laughs> he is, you know, it's amazing to me. Every time you think we go out and find some schlump on the street uh, for that sales department who lasts about two, three months and we couldn't possibly outdo ourselves, you got to hand it to her, you know? That's what Roy used to do. We used to hand it to her all the time. She'd grab it. But anyway, I mean, where does she find these people? Where did she find this skippy guy? Huh? Probably in a jar of peanut butter. Man, he won't be there. He'll never make the new year. Is he smooth or chunky? He made it. He made the uh, open up wide for chunky. Oh, chubby. The Reverend James F. Talbot, a Jesuit, a Jesuit priest who was transferred under a cloud of suspicion in 1980 from his teaching and coaching job at Boston College High School to an all-boys school in Maine, was indicted yesterday on charges that he sexually abused three students at the prestigious Boston Prep School in the 1970s. How do you like that? At the prestigious Boston Prep School. A grand jury convened by Suffolk District Attorney Daniel F. Connolly charged Talbot with one count of rape, one count of assault and with intent to rape, and five counts of indecent assault and battery, according to a lawyer involved in the case. Suffolk District Attorney. I'd like to be back at Suffolk Downs right now with Eddie Cobb coming on the far outside. Here comes Eddie Cobb and Genghis Khan. Well, I made a lot of money at Suffolk Downs, you know. <laughs> what? It's not there anymore. Suffolk Downs. I haven't heard the last two minutes. Why is that? <laughs> Chunky was the last word I heard. I see. Don't do they still make those candies, by the way? Chunkies? Yeah, I think they do, with and without raisins and nuts. <laughs> oh, they yeah, <laughs> no nuts. Oh, kind of like our kind of like our sales staff, no nuts. And we don't have any women on our sales staff except. Uh, in fact, she's probably got the biggest pair of screw in. Make no mistake. That's what the, what's his name says. Roy. She's got a big pair and nuts too. The indictment, that's what uh, Greg said. The indictment alleges the crimes took place on Saturdays in the locker room at BC High, where Talbot encouraged student athletes to improve their physical fitness by wrestling one-on-one -on -one with him, sometimes clad only in jock straps, and then forcibly molested them. They must have been real uh, rocket scientists, you know what? As the wrestling got more involved, he'd say, it's hot in here, and he'd progressively lose more and more clothing and encourage the student to do the same, the lawyer said, citing the victim's allegations. He'd say the bare skin made it more like a street fight and would toughen them up. Then he'd pin the victim in a sexual position and sexually assault him. The victims, who ranged in age from 14 to 17 and lived in Dorchester, Milton, and Quincy, were sometimes given beer by Talbot before the matches, according to a lawyer. <laughs> Talbot, 64, taught history and economics and coached soccer and hockey at BC. Hockey? Oh, my God, at BC. Oh, by the way, how about that blue and white game last night on Leafs TV? I saw it a little bit, about two minutes. Uh, so, soccer and hockey at BC High for man. By the way, how about that Aaron Gaby, huh? Oh. He's doing it. You still back on that chunky, chubby thing? From 72 to 80, he's expected to turn himself into law enforcement officials and be a ringleader. See, you're thinking about that mo bit now, about uh, and that's no bad. idea what you're talking about. Yeah, sure you don't. Opie and Anthony, Rafe, Mo. You're thinking, in fact, I may have to play that. See, and, and you're the one. I think he had a good point about you. You think rape is funny? Is that what you think? <laughs> Only when he's on, when he's on a receiver. <laughs> oh, I say let's start playing the bits now, oh. is what I say. <laughs> oh, shut off his mic, okay? Shut him off, little spick. Anyway, that takes care of that story at BC. Then we got another one from Toledo. The Cleveland papers are just loaded with this crap. You notice that? What is that all about? A former Roman Catholic priest accused of sexually abusing. I'm never going to get through this next ten minutes. I'll tell you that right now. No chance. <laughs> okay. See ya. It's your show. Uh, Bye.
your show now. You're <laughs> on. What is what is your problem? It wasn't that funny. That's the worst part. It was it was it was mildly amusing. What is his problem, uh, Chuck? I don't Carlos. Know. He hasn't stopped. All what I is hear is like squeaks and squeals coming from the other room. I see. So then I, and I saved his job. I went to bat for him, and he's in there carrying on like a lunatic. A former Roman Catholic priest accused of sexually abusing teenage boys in the 80s has been put on leave of absence from his job as dean of students at a Toledo high school. Dennis Gray, dean of students at Rogers High School, oh, geez, oh, God. agreed to step aside yesterday, the day after an article appeared in The Blade that detailed allegations made by students while he was a religion teacher at Toledo Central Catholic High School. Diocese records show Gray admitted to the allegations, but he told the newspaper in an interview last week he'd done nothing wrong. Three former students said Gray took them to his cottage in Michigan between 82 and 87 for weekend retreats. According to interviews and records obtained by the newspaper, he's accused after molest of molesting them after giving them <laughs> booze. How do you like that? 110 votes on that poll. 87 at 79 percent of our audience who are listening right now in the early part of the show. And keep in mind, by the way, that this is kind of like a... Because uh, we're also going to have to do one on what do you listen to between 9 and 10. Okay. Follow what I'm saying? I got it. That's tomorrow's poll, <laughs> and I will do that some other day. But seriously, because now that we're, like, overlapping with all this uh, that we never overlapped with before, which we started this when, in, in January? Okay. Yeah, so it's, like, right. uh, almost nine months now. I don't know. It seems to me we're doing okay. I could be wrong about that. The uh, winter book was, uh, the uh, spring book was fine. The summer book, of course, that's going to be on George's broad shoulders when I come. When's the next trend coming out? Do you got it on the calendar? No. no well, no. since we have 14 program directors and 15 operations managers and one general manager who's never seen by human eyes, except maybe once in a while in a certain part of town that we won't mention on the air yet, uh, you'd think that we'd know when the next trend was coming out, wouldn't you? You'd think. 9.56 at 5.60 WQM. Do what hundreds of other people are doing if you need more home in your house, but you just don't know how to make it, what how to do it. Call Strictly Additions. Whether you're having a baby and need another room, if you're converting your carport or patio into living space, if you went into business for yourself and want to make a home office for you, call Strictly Additions. They're your one-stop shop. More space for your place, place with an absolutely worry-free approach to expanding your living space. Those no-shows by the contractors won't happen with Strictly Additions. Incomplete work? No way. No unexpected bills. No worries about the job not getting done right. And don't forget, they take care of every single last detail. They drop your blueprints. Strictly, they get the building permits, handle all the inspections. Strictly Additions got an easy five-step approach to total customer satisfaction. Number one, they call you to schedule a free project evaluation appointment right in your home where a project estimator will determine the scope of your addition. Number two, they schedule a bid appointment in their convenience showroom where you'll get a detailed proposal and an exact price for the work. Number three, select your finishing touches, go to contract. Fourth, review the design architectural drawings, review the copy that P.D. Lenny sends out, which he doesn't do. And number five, sit back and relax as your dream edition moves ahead on schedule with unbeatable. Quality. It's a piece of cake, and they serve all of Broward and South Palm Beach County, too. Call Strictly Editions at 954-791-8100. They're licensed, they're insured people, and they care about doing a stupendous job for you. Tell them old Neil and P.D. Lenny told you to call. Check out their ad in the yellow pages. If you like Strictly Editions, call 954-791-8100. We're Sports Radio 560. QAM. Go Here's Andrew Dice Clay for Diceroni. All right, let's say you're eating. You're sick and f***ing tired of f***ing potatoes and that stovetop shit. Do like me, honey. Eat this. Diceroni. Come on, it's almost as simple as you. Put the f***ing bag in the f***ing pot and you turn on the f***ing stove. You think you can manage that, honey? Hey, butter bing the f***ing 
fucking thing's done. So, remember, Yankee Doodle came to town, riding on a pony, stuck a feather up his ass and called it dice a -roni. Oh! 10.02 at 5.60, WQM. Happy Wednesday to you. I noticed that the game players are starting to load up on Rush and, uh, and Bill O'Reilly on there now. Yes. On the pool. That's okay. Have a good time with it, whatever you like. It'll keep you off the streets. You know, I don't think I'm going to be able to play comedy bits from 11 to 1 today, you know what? Why? I don't know what happened in that first hour, but I think I dicked around too much and that killed about a half an hour with uh, crap. Well, you can... I got too much important stuff here, man. I see. See, one thing about this show it may come as a shock to some people out there who'd rather hear, "Oh, can I call somebody a douchebag or Marty Cohen?" You know, the same uh, five calls that we had over and over again. Uh, but when I get done with a show now, like at one o'clock, I feel like I've accomplished something. You know? Do you know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. Hey, did I already send this revised spot from High Boy? For what? Dial a mattress? Yes. Yeah, and I tore him up on the air. No, no, revised spot number one. No, no, tell him forget about it. Tell him just go out and get a hand job or something. Tell him to get lost. I don't need no dial a mattress copy. Do I need stinking? Let me tell you right now. Do you think I need a copy for dial a mattress or for dry concepts or pizza loft, which I've been doing them all for like a hundred years? That's no. not the point. But spots that run every goddamn day, which for very fine products like Oleomed, for example, give me a little something different. Or like Fast Train, which that Todd Reck was just a major excuse-making piece of turd. It's always the agency. Well, the agency this and the guy who runs the place is out of town. He's got more goddamn excuses than Carter's got liver pills, okay? That stinking little Todd Reck. I'd like to see the goddamn Jolly Green Giant step on him, you know what? God, I'd pay a lot of money to see that. Or either that or Fat Rich. Somebody step on him. God, or just Josh Friedman. That would be even better. The way he's smelling these days. Well, see, now, now you're going to start again. Now you're going to get all red in the face and go fall no, over I'm, on the I'm counter. No, fine. It was just that line for some reason. Tickled what line? Open wide for Chunky? Chubby? <laughs> okay, I'll play. I'll look, if it'll make you feel better, I'll play the goddamn bit, okay? I don't care about the bit. Yes, you do. It was just a funny line. I don't even remember what the I was talking about. The candy you, bars. The what? Peanut butter, smooth or chunky. Oh. Five sixty WQAM presents the Opie and Anthony Show with Mo Howard David. This is Opie. And I'm Anthony. Yeah, wait a minute. It's me with the low voice. Oh. Yeah, you got the affected voice. Okay. <clears throat> hi, Anthony. Yeah, hi, Opie. And uh, let's not forget our old pal Mo Howard David. Yeah, I was wondering how long it would take for you two punks to get around to me. <laughs> I really hit the big time, huh? Here I am with the Opie on Anthony. Hey, Mo. What? Take off your pants. Yeah, we're going to rape you now. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. This is a family show. Ah, uh, wrong. This is the Go Pee on Anthony show. Now, come on, stretch. I thought you guys only did that in church. Yeah. Hey, get your hands out of there. Get out of there. Shut up and submit. That's my no, delicates. Don't touch my delicates. I'm tender. <laughs> why does everybody want to rape me? Why? Because we think it's funny. That's why. Yeah, and you That's got a nice back. Oh, I got news for you, Kelly. I'm still spry. Why, I ought to marvelize you. Oh. Oh. I got his hands tied, Opie. Oh. Want the red ball? No, not for this. All right, Ma, open wide for Chunky. Let's sing that together now, shall we? Okay. Open my poor chunky. 
Of course, Jeb's wildly inconsistent attitude on the issue, treatment and privacy for his daughter, incarceration and public humiliation for everybody else, is part and parcel of the galling hypocrisy that infects America's insane drug war on every level. The latest example of this madness is last week's early morning DEA raids on a medical marijuana club in Santa Cruz, California, that caters to terminally ill patients, although the hospice-style operation has been lauded by local inform uh, enforcement, law enforcement officials for its caring and ethical approach. Federal agents stormed the place with guns drawn and chainsaws whirring, leveling its pot garden, handcuffing ailing patients, including a paraplegic, and carting off its founder and director, Valerie Corral, a woman who's been called the Florence Nightingale of the medical marijuana movement. So much for the Bush administration's compassionate conservatism and its conservative constituency. Back when he was running for president, candidate Bush declared that medical marijuana is a state's rights issue. I believe, he said, each state can choose that decision as they so choose, although the mangled syntax makes it a little hard to tell exactly what he was getting at. It is, consistent with, is it consistent with allowing John Ascroft to order a holy roller war against cannabis clubs in California, even though it's one of 12 states that have decriminalized the use of pot for medicinal purposes? Surely there has to be a better use of our limited law enforcement resources than busting grievously ill cancer and AIDS patients searching for relief from their suffering. How about unearthing a terrorist cell or two? And the White House continues to bombard us with those offensive and expensive TV spots implying that youthful drug users like Noel Bush are the moral equivalent of Mohammed Atta. Maybe her Uncle George can get her an audition for the next round of taxpayer-funded ads. Sure, we're pulling some crack out of her shoe while saying, I help blow up buildings. Or does that kind of overheated and stigmatizing rhetoric only apply to those other non-Bush family youthful drug users? After all, a glaring double standard's been the hallmark of our nation's drug policy for decades. It's why African Americans make up only 13% of the country's drug users, but 55% of those convicted of drug possession and 74% of those sent to jail on possession charges, and why the youthful indiscretions of the rich are routinely treated with a slap on the wrist and a ticket to rehab while poor kids are shipped off to prison. If America's drug laws were applied consistently, Jeb Bush and his family would be evicted from their publicly funded digs, just as people living in public housing can be thrown out of their homes if any household member or guest is found using drugs, even if the drug use happens someplace other than the housing project. And Noelle could find herself joining the tens of thousands of young people unable to get a college education because of a provision in the Higher Education Act that denies financial aid to students convicted of possessing illegal drugs. But the rich and powerful are judged by a very different set of rules. That's why the staff at Noel's rehab center tore up a sworn statement incriminating Noel, even though the facility's standard policy is to turn all such matters over to the police. If through her pain, Noel Bush can help her family's minds as well as their hearts and force them to rethink their disastrous drug policy, the nation and millions of young Americans in particular will owe her a tremendous debt of gratitude. I wish her much luck. Writes Arianna Huffington. That's a great column. Yes. I don't know why you didn't fax that to me yesterday. Just a joke, okay? Just a joke. Relax. Don't start getting uptight like the Bush people. I think he's in big trouble, you know, and I think Bill McBride's going to whoop his ass. Yes. I think it's going to be big. Oh! I think there's going to be a big party November 6th. I could be wrong. 10-13 at 5-60. WQM, we got the Mad Dog at 1, Hank at 3. Got a bunch of baseball crap later on. Hey, let's talk about Todd Dreck for 60 seconds, shall we? If you want to grow up to be like him, be a radio sales hole. If you want to get a real honest job, be a computer professional. If you want to get trained for that, you go to Fast Train, the only school that's got four convenient locations in Dayton Broward, and maybe someday we'll tell you where they all are. We know that one is in Pembroke Pines, right? Okay. And then there's one in Kendall. And maybe someday we'll find out where the other two are. But see, that would be too much like work, Todd. That would be like giving some more information out so our good friends out there could take advantage of a really sensational joint. 
There's one school that's got certified Microsoft instructors. Convenient day, evening, and weekend classes. That's right when it's convenient for you. And there's one school that's got full-time job placement department with over 30 years' experience. You can complete your program at Fast Train, get certified for a real job in just four short months. Of course, we're talking about Fast Train, one of our fine accounts that doesn't get serviced at all because Todd Reck is a major butt plug. Get off your butt, pick up the phone and call Fast Train, get started for a real honest job, a computer professional and making a serious paycheck. Call toll-free 1-866-FAST-TRAIN. That's 1-866-FAST-TRAIN or check them out on the web at FastTrain.com. And when you call, be sure and tell them that Todd Dreck did not tell you to call. They're Mary Catherine. Jesus. I gave the command to kill thousands of innocent people. I said, fill her up. I helped raise money to buy explosives for a suicide bomber, but it was just so I could drive to my in-laws for Thanksgiving. I helped ship rocket launchers to Islamic fundamentalists in the Philippines, but it was only good fun. I was just cruising to the beach. I helped provide cash to train terrorist gorillas, but all I was doing was topping off my tank before my ski trip. If you think your addiction to using gasoline in your car isn't causing any harm, think again. Because the money you spend to fill your tank eventually goes to fill the pockets of terrorists. I gave the command to kill thousands of innocent people. And all I had to say was, fill her up. Some other public service announcements want to blame terrorism on drug addicts. But we want to let people know that it's gasoline that fuels terror. So whether you're sticking a straw in your nose or a nozzle in your tank... You're part of the problem. I was just out for a Sunday drive. It's not like I was hurting anyone. This message provided by the Council on Displacing the Blame. It's we, their fault. We could be talking about Saudi Arabia, could we? Yes. Oh, I see. Especially since 15 of those 19 scumbags were Saudi Arabians. Anyway, suicide explosion in the northern Israel. Things have been too quiet for almost seven weeks now. Suicide explosion in northern Israel. La Bamba. <coughs> you surprised? No. Nope. No. 175 votes on our poll already. What do you listen to most days in the noon to one hour? Because we do need some help in that noon to one hour, although not necessarily. See, because we have a shifting, I mean, not everybody, unfortunately, tunes in right at nine and sits there transfixed until one o'clock. That's not the way radio listening works. You do understand that. Why the hell not? Especially when you're on. But at any rate, uh, Neil 133, 76%. Rush 17, 9.7%. They listen to Rush. Not Rush Limbaugh, but like Rush Records. Don't you listen? Huh? <laughs> They're Canadian, eh? Uh, yes, they are. Rush 17. Jim Rome 7. Now, see, there, that's... Okay, have a good time. Romy, seven. Bill O'Reilly, seven. Uh, music, six, and other five. Romy, I see, when you start making numbers that are ridiculous, because Rome don't have seven people listening all together. So, you know, try to tone it down a little bit so there might be some credibility. USA Today says the Bush administration, oh, and by the way, there's Heinrich von uh, Rumsfeld. Right. That threw the inspectors out. Heinrich von Rumsfeld. And by the way, the accurate thing is we uh, told the inspectors to get out. They didn't really kick them out originally. Then they said, no, you can't come back in. We hear you knocking, but you can't come in. But don't confuse any of these people with the truth. Just like Donahue tried to, uh, with Richard Allen last night, that fascist pig, tried to confuse him with the truth about how back in the uh, Reagan days uh, they were just sitting back very quietly in the Reagan and Bush days while uh, Saddam was doing his thing against Iran. And not only that, but not only supplied him with all the goodies, but then when they were using the mustard gas, we sat back and, ah, we know what's going on, but he's a good guy. How come he didn't say anything then? And he went, kind of like that, kind of like Skippy would say. He went, kind of like that, or kind of like uh, what's his name would say. Um, see, I, can, I always want to call him Todd because Troy. we already have one Troy, and he handles that account. So the idea of having Troy and Troy and Roy. too much. So Todd, Troy, whatever. I can't understand a word he says in that spot. It's like that. 
like he's on speed or something. The Bush administration is expanding on and in some cases contradicting U.S. intelligence reports and making the case for an invasion of Iraq. Interviews with administration and U.S. intelligence officials indicate administration officials accuse Iraq of having ties to al-Qaeda terrorists and of amassing weapons of mass destruction despite uncertain and sometimes contrary intelligence on these issues according to officials. In some cases, top administration officials disagree outright with what the CIA and other intelligence agencies report. For example, they repeat accounts of al-Qaeda members seeking refuge in Iraq and of terrorist operatives meeting with Iraqi intelligence officials, even though U.S. intelligence reports raise doubt about such links. On Iraqi weapons programs, administration officials draw the most pessimistic conclusions from ambiguous evidence. Although the Bush administration made significant progress last week in generating international and domestic support for a campaign against Iraq, some lawmakers and diplomats question the evidence being assembled by the U.S. and British governments. Hans Blix, remember him? No. Yeah, you do, the Dutch guy. Oh, yeah. The chief U.N. arms inspector said satellite images of Iraq show no evidence that Iraqi leader Saddam Hussein was rebuilding a, an arsenal of weapons of mass destruction, and House Minority Whip Nancy Pelosi, Democratic California, said that in secret intelligence briefings, administration officials were presenting embellishments on information long known about Iraq. A senior Bush administration official conceded privately that there are large gaps in U.S. knowledge about Iraqi weapons programs, but insisted that the only prudent course is to suspect the worst. To give Iraq the benefit of the doubt, officials argue, would be naive and dangerous. Last week, speaking of dangerous, National Security Advisor Condoleezza Rice, formerly of the Chevron Corporation, boiled the administration's case down to a single line that evoked both the uncertainty and the risk associated with Iraq. We don't want the smoking gun to be a mushroom cloud, she said. The differences between the administration and intelligence officials may be in part institutional. The CIA tends to be cautious in its predictions and estimates and careful not to overinterpret a situation based on incomplete information. Some agency officials say privately that they just don't want to be pushed into going beyond the facts to provide justification for a war. Not only the facts are in dispute, but also the interpretation of those facts. CIA analysts have reported that Saddam wants weapons for prestige and security, not for an attack on U.S. interests that would almost certainly bring a devastating U.S. response. Bush administration officials warn that once Saddam develops his arsenal, he must be considered a risk to use it. Conversely, the CIA says that U.S. military should assume that Saddam would use chemical and biological weapons against American invaders. If the survival of his regime were at stake, Bush's top advisors view this risk as manageable. One of the administration's key arguments, I wonder if, uh, you know, in other words, they view the lives of these people as manageable? Uh-huh. Okay. One of the administration's key arguments is that the intelligence on Iraqi weapons may be wrong. Vice President Cheney and Defense Secretary Herr, uh, Donald Rumsfeld recall that inspections after the 1991 Persian Gulf War found Iraq much closer to fielding a nuclear weapon than the CIA had estimated. Now the administration warns the latest CIA estimates that Iraq may be years away from building a nuclear weapon could be based on incomplete intelligence and wishful thinking. Administration officials cite two problems facing U.S. intelligence regarding Iraq. Because of the absence of inspectors since 98 and Saddam's ability to conceal his activities from technical intelligence assets, such as U.S. spy satellites, the evidence against Iraq is at best dated and circumstantial. Because of Saddam's insistence on pain of death on unwavering loyalty from his inner circle, little is known about whether he plans to use weapons of mass destruction or merely hold them to enhance his standing in a dangerous region. Cheney and Rumsfeld question the CIA's insistence that it can find no link between al-Qaeda terrorists and Saddam's regime. They um, accept reports from Czech diplomats that September 11th hijacker Mohammed Well, that's an old thing. That, that meeting, yeah. they still don't know about that. Yeah, we heard that they had Suchi together is what the report said. Still a pile of crap. 
So what's the hair, uh, hair uh, Rumsfeld Payment to say? regime change by the passage of the Iraqi Liberation Act in 1998. Regime change. Like I said, $200 billion and a bunch of American soldiers' lives is a hell of a grotesque price to pay for assassinating somebody. Regime change means kill his ass. Don't you think you can get a hold of what's-his-name there on The Sopranos and we can do it for a lot less than that? Sure. Tony? Tony. Get a hold of Tony, baby. He'll take care of it for you. Get a hold of uh, Don Corleone. Get Don a hold of Luca Brazzi. Yeah. Somebody. For justice, we go to one of them, not wasting $200 billion of American taxpayers and jeopardizing the lives of God only knows how many, not only American troops, but how about those Iraqi uh, schleppers over there, too, who didn't do nothing. 200 votes on the pool, a nice even number. Who do you, what do you listen to in the uh, noon to one hour most days? Neil, 148, 74%, but dropping fast. Rush, 24. Jim Rome, Romy, 8. Those are all phony. Maybe one. Bill O'Reilly, 7. Other, 7. And music, 6. Well, I would imagine they could use some soothing music after, you know, hours of all these depressing stories. Hey, listen, I'm not making this stuff up. I try to put a few uh, good stuff, you know, some amusing stuff in there. But there's just not too much amusing going on in the world these days, is there? No. Not really. Sopranos. Except, of course, our sales department. <laughs> They're amusing. In a very perverse sense. 1026 at 560 WQAM. Here's another one. Gary Sarner, another butt plug, another liar, another absolute bald-faced liar. Oh, I'm going to get you a new copy in a couple days for VIP Sportsbook. Yeah, right. See, what really galls me is not just the fact that they don't do their job, but they lie. They lie like troopers because they work for Greg Reed, and they figure they'll get brownie points for lying, and they probably do. Because that's the name of our game. We lie a lot. Just give us the effing money and don't expect us to do a job for you. And Gary Sarner now is specializing in that. Looked me right in the puss and I said, aren't you that asshole from Amsterdam? And he said, yep. VIPsportsbook.com. Name sound familiar? It should because VIP Sportsbook is the only sportsbook in the world, in the universe, to be endorsed by all the industry watchdog groups since 1996. The Casino Times News recent issue says you can look, you can search, you can scour, but you just won't find a better overall sportsbook than VIPsportsbook.com. Maybe you're looking for more than just a world-class book that offers 24-hour VIP service and the safety of a leader. How about this? How about the highest parlay odds anywhere is up to 2,001, minimum bets of only 5 bucks, and free withdrawals 24 hours a day. And on top of that, a 15% cash bonus added to your first deposit. And we're not talking about some jungle book located like in... You know, Little Havana. This is Dutch-based, VIPsportsbook.com, Dutch-based, where you're treated with class and your money is safe, also believed. Sign up online, get a 15% cash bonus, add to your account, or call them at 866-VIP-BETS. It's easy to get started. Just log on to VIPsportsbook.com. And don't forget, when you sign up for it online, you do get yourself that 15% cash bonus. So plunge your brains out. Be a winner at VIPsportsbook.com, where you are the VIP. Live, Live and local.
Could because you're a scumbag, that might be it. 1033 at 560 WQM. Happy Wednesday to you. Here's an important story about one of my favorite people, Burt Ward. What yeah. was his name? Dick Grayson? Indeed. Dick Grayson, and what was Batman's name? We went through that the other day. Why am I drawing a blank on that? I did, too. And I still don't know it. That's bad. Bruce Wayne. He was his, Bruce he was his like, uh, buddy. He no. was his ward. Not his pedophile. Or something like that. Bruce Wayne. Bruce uh, Wayne. Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson. Bruce Wayne and Dick. At any rate, for most people, there are not enough hours in the day, but they're not Burt Ward. People will come around our house and say, I can't believe how much living is going on here, he says with a laugh. Tee hee hee. Like that. That's because the erstwhile boy wonder from the hit 1960 series Batman only sleeps three hours daily from 6 to 9 a.m. When you're up twice as much as other people, it's like having two lives, he said. So what is Ward 56? 56! Oh my god, I guarantee he ain't wearing them tights anymore. How do you know? Oh. What does he do in his extra life? He spends his nights working on projects for his visual effects company, named appropriately Boy Wonder Visual Effects, which he formed in July 2001 after more than a decade of study and frustration at the lack of roles coming his way. Well, there are not too many roles for guys in tights, I guess, other than maybe Romeo and Juliet. What was the kid's name? Leonard Whiting, was that his yes. name? He sure was pretty. There may not be a lot going on for Ward in front of the camera, but Boy Wonder has worked on more than 20 movies today, including 2001's Legally Blonde and the upcoming action-adventure film Bulletproof Monk, starring Chow Yun-Fat. This is a transition to becoming a major player in the visual effects world, Ward says proudly. Ward and his wife Tracy, 40, whom he met in 1989 when her father, the late corporate raider Victor Posner, oh boy, sent her to take over Ward's educational video company. They married in 1990. Also, rescue abandoned the uh, Great Danes in 1994 after moving from Los Angeles to rural Riverside County. The couple and their daughter, Melody, now 11, learned about the number of Great Danes in the air. They needed homes. With a Great Dane, if you take it to a shelter, it's too big for the cages. People are scared of a big dog, even though they're sweet and they're put to death, he says. The family's 4,000-square-foot home and five acres of land becomes a refuge for the dogs. Ward estimates they found homes for more than 3,500 dogs in eight years. Always like that, Burt Ward, you know? Oh. He's a dog person. How do you like that? And you know who said that to me in Amsterdam? I At dinner that night? Bob Vermouth. Bob Vermouth. As he was trying to suck up a little bit. Well, you know, I, yeah, I, I should have realized you were a better guy than I thought. You were a dog person, they tell me. You have two dogs. I said, well, one of them died. Oh, you have a dog. Didn't do any good, Bob, okay? You're still the same schmuck. You're still the same uh, piece of turd. You guys still don't get it done. And don't be giving me a sign. See, let me tell you what this place needs. This studio, as fine as it is, you know, within its limits, it needs a tune-up. 
You know what I mean? Tweaking. It needs some tweaking. So I think after I leave here in a few weeks, well, that would be the time. Instead of this kind of like a piecemeal and maybe Neil can crawl around on the floor and do this and get the keyboard out of the closet and hook it up again, I don't think that's going to work since we're not going to be taking any calls for a while anyway. The, the ideal way would be to do it right, which I realize isn't in their repertoire, but that would be the way to do it right, including how about should we try out the talk back? Because okay. I might dump myself. I mean, like this, I don't know if the talk back is still dumping. What, what, now, what did that do? Uh, <laughs> what did what do? I hit. Did it do anything? I can hear Carlos you is like confused. or something. Strange. Yeah, no, it, it worked. That actually worked. Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you. Didn't dump the on air? Well, how will we know? Oh, that's right. We don't know. So if you're getting all screwed up over there, too bad. I'm, I'm hitting the talk back. Because the word last time we had it, and certainly nobody's been in here to fix anything. So I think, like, tuning this place up would be a good idea. I think that our engineering and salespeople have got a lot in common, you know? Maybe that's why Vermouth spent so much time that night talking about Roy and screwing. Or maybe he's just a busybody and kicks his nose in other people's business. I don't think that's your business, okay, Bob? Even though, of course, you're corporate and Muff is scared crapless of you, okay? Scared to death. Just pees in his pants when he sees you coming. Even with his other pursuits, Ward hasn't given up acting entirely. In November, he'll team up with Batman co-star Adam West in the CBS movie Back to the uh, Batcave. The two adventures of Adam West and Burt Ward, in which the former Cape Crusaders will fight crime once more, but as themselves. This is a bigger production than anything we did on Batman, Ward says. Ward's got fond memories of his uh, experience filming a fight, filming the Batman series, a period that he chronicled in the 85 tell-all book, Boy Wonder, My Life in Tights. We partied together, we got in messages together, he says, of his friendship with West. It was a lot of fun. I thought they hated each other. Yeah, what wasn't fun was wearing his Robin outfit. Those were the python pants. They nearly squeezed me to death, and the cape strangled me, he says. The python pants. And if you look closely, by the way, you don't even have to look that closely. There's something in those python pants. And we have two back-to-back -back episodes snake? of Batman here every day on Showcase on my cable, 4 to 5 p.m. every afternoon. Although, of course, that 4 o'clock thing screws up passions, which is 3.30 to 4.30 here. And let me say it again. Guiding light here is... Uh, oh! See, I guess I guess the um, Dr. Phil show is not a CBS show. Is that correct? I, I don't know. It's syndicated, just like Oprah. Then so no. it's, just, it's just a coincidence that Channel 4 down there happens to... I, I don't know how that works. Although maybe it is. I don't know, because it seems to me I saw promos from CBS about the changing of time of Guiding Light. Maybe somebody will fax me that information, but the fact is that Guiding Light is still on between 3 and 4, and Alan Spaulding faked a heart attack yesterday, Oi. and Philip is getting it on with Olivia, Oi. and uh, what's-his-name is still looking pretty good. What else is his name? Uh, Fletcher Reed's kid. Ben. Ben Reed. Oi. Getting pretty heavy-duty, that show now. So it makes it very hard to watch the last half of that and Passions together simultaneously. I could tape one in the living room and then go in the other room and watch the other one. You see what I'm saying? But that's wasting too much time. Yeah, I know. You don't want to waste too much time on soap operas. Then a lot of people start asking a lot of questions, spending too much time watching soap operas. You know what I'm saying? And then after they hear the rumors about that, then you know what they start saying in public, don't you? What? I can't find it. Boy, I'm a little slow on Is the finger today. Huh? No, seriously, after they find out you watch soap operas, they start whispering out the window. You're gay. Stuff like that. <laughs> Paul, what do you listen to most days in that noon to one hour? Your lawyer? You sticking with us? No. No, not some of you. What the hell's wrong with you people anyway? You right-wing scumbags. Oh, and see, this is, uh, it's, it's ridiculous. Neil, 171, 72.5%. Rush Limbaugh, 30. Jim Rome, 10. Other 10. Music 8, and Bill O'Reilly still stuck there with those seven same phony votes. 
20 before 11 at 560 WQAM. Let's call the carpet doctors, shall we? Actually, they're not doctors, but they might as well be. They don't put a stethoscope on the floor, but they might as well do that, too, because they come in there and they examine your carpets. They take a look at them and say, holy crap, these things need to be cleaned. And then they go about doing a job like the, the likes of which you've never seen in your life. Dry concepts I'm talking about. I've been using them for over 20 years. They've been in town for well over 20 years now, and they've been taking care of people's carpets and making them look just like brand new during all of that time. And they do it with their exclusive patented dry cleaning method. There is nobody else anywhere that uses that method, which is better than any of them because it, su it doesn't just smear the dirt around in there. It sucks out even the deepest down dirt in the fibers of your carpet, makes them look just like brand new, stay cleaner longer, which in the long run makes them last longer, too. And they give you a written guaranteed price before they start the job. So unlike almost every other carpet cleaning outfit, you don't have to worry about rip-offs and scams and tack-ons when you finally get that bill at the end of the job. And not only do your carpets look brand new and smell lemony fresh, but they're dry in just a couple of hours. In Broward, call them at 954-370-7778. In Dater, Palm Beach, 1-800-248-5071. And they also do a stupendous, unbeatable job of cleaning your furniture and drapery, spot dyeing, fiber protection, carpet repairs, infant oriental rug service, deodorization, and if you ever have a flood in, on the floor or in your pants, they do great water damage restoration, too. In Broward, call them at 954-370-7778. In Date or Palm Beach, 1-800-248-5071. 1-800-248-5071. Clean today. Entertain tonight, like I just started to say, with dry concept. My and local. This is Sports Radio 560. QA, QAM. Get yeah, Bush. I See, there's that return, that, uh, oh, that rejoin. Terrible. QA, like that. What the hell is that? I don't know. What is that? about Shakira. Okay, she's pretty damn good in my book. 1046 at 560 WQAM. Lawyers for Kennedy cousin appeal murder conviction. Lawyers for Kennedy cousin Michael Skakel appealed his murder conviction yesterday, setting more than two dozen grounds to overturn the verdict. Skakel returns 42 uh, tomorrow. Oh, let's send him a card. What do you say? Okay. <clears throat> Unhappy birthday, uh, Michael. Was convicted June 7 of beating Martha Moxley to death in 1975 when they were 15-year-old neighbors in wealthy Greenwich. He was sentenced last month to 20 years to life in prison. And what's his name? I'm sure he done it. The one with the eyebrows. What the hell's his name? Dominic Dunn? <laughs> with the little glasses? Yeah. He looks he looks like kind of like a, a miniature Andy Rooney. <laughs> Very good, yes. Yeah, the eyebrow. they got the eyebrows at the same store. Lemon fizzes on the banks of the Euphrates, writes Maureen Dunn. Maureen Dowd in today's New York Times. She is just so good, it's uh, scary, you know what? She's great. 
She says, the trap is sprung. The name of the game is containment. Contain the wild man, the leader with a messianic and relentless glint who is scaring the world. Surround him, throw Lilliputian nets on him, tie him up with a lot of UN inspection demands, humor him long enough to stop him from using his weapons and blowing up the Middle East. But this time, the object of the containment strategy is not Saddam Hussein, but George W. Bush, the president with real bombs, not the predator with plans to make them. America's European and Arab allies now act more nervous about the cowboy in the Oval Office who likes to brag on America as the greatest nation on the face of the earth than the thug in the Baghdad bunker. We don't want another war in this region, says an advisor to the Saudi royal family. When Afghanistan is bombed, they just hit rocks. Well, maybe a few weddings. When there's bombing in our neighborhood, they hit oil fields. Gerhard Schroeder's campaign prospect soared when he started running against Mr. Bush. Many Germans wrote the Times, Stephen Erlanger, seemed to fear American military action in Iraq more than they fear Mr. Hussein. With assist from the rump cabinet of internationalists, including Colin Powell and Brent Scowcroft, America's allies have been engaged in a benevolent conspiracy to ensnare the president in the web of U.N. rules for war and diplomacy. The Saudi foreign minister, Prince Saud al-Faisal, insists that the Iraqi threat must be taken care of without the firing of a single shot or the loss of a single soldier. He added a big sweetener promising that American bombers could use Saudi bases if Mr. Bush would work through the U.N., Privately, Saudi officials said they are alarmed by the Bush team's military strutting and think it would have been much better to get rid of Saddam with a covert operation. Sounds like what I've been saying. They agree with the president that Saddam is a monster who not only eliminates his enemies, real and perceived, but also their wives, children, and friends. But if he has nothing to lose, they worry, he might fire his chemical and biological weapons at the Saudis or the Israelis or give them to terrorists to use on the U.S. Sounds like what you said. By wrapping Mr. Bush in a warm embrace, the Persian Gulf allies hope to waltz him closer to where they want him to be. Meanwhile, the Egyptians and Jordanians pinned Saddam to the mat and told him that if he had any chance of avoiding Armageddon, he should open his, up his country to inspectors. Thus, in just a few days, the Iraq crisis went from Saddam having a noose around his neck to W being bound by a multi, multilateral macrame. All the reasons for an attack have been eliminated, crowed Tariq Aziz, Iraq's deputy prime minister. Both, But the Allies, and especially Mr. Aziz, should not underestimate the zeal of the Bush warriors. Sodom can admit a legion of inspectors, but that may not stop Mr. Bush from wriggling out of the U.N. restraints and declaring the despot's compliance a sham. The Arabs tut-tut that America should focus on rebuilding Afghanistan, getting a state for the Palestinians, and pursuing the war on terror, but the Bushies have gotten the taste of empire building in Afghanistan, and they like it. Karl Rove is building a Republican empire. Richard Pearl, Paul Wolfowitz, and Scooter Libby are having, building an ideological empire. Dick Cheney is building a unilateral empire, and Donald Rumsfeld is building a military empire. As Henry Kissinger told Newsweek, Rummy wants to beat back the attitudes of the Vietnam generation that was focused on American imperfection and limitations. Besides, why should former CEOs Cheney and Rummy settle for mere Jack Welch-style perks when they can have the perks of empire? They can restore civilization to the cradle of civilization, lemon fizzes, cribbage, and cricket by the Tower of Babel, a 36-hole golf course on the banks of the Tigris and Euphrates, Arab Disney in the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, oil on tap at the Baghdad Hilton, huge contracts for buddies in the defense and oil industries, Halliburton's Brown and Root Construction Company building a six-lane highway from Baghdad to Tel Aviv. How long can it be before the empire strikes back? Very good. Isn't that great? And they're on there today, they're spinning it and they're twisting it, and he's talking about all these nebulous things about uh, a, a smallpox attack in the U.S. and millions of people dying. And what if we... I thought the terrorists are the ones that we're afraid of going to do that. Right. And he also neglects to mention every time they bring up this thing about the mustard gas and poisoning his own people, that we not only provided him with the, uh, the uh, technology to do it and the actual chemicals themselves, but we also stood by and said, hey, nice job there, Saddam. Go get those damn Iranians. Go knock off that Ayatollah. 
And, of course, why did the Ayatollah get in? Because we stuck the Shah in there in the first place. But we just keep, just like the thing with the Taliban. I have to laugh when they start talking about, oh, my God, the pictures of those poor women with the burqas. The women were wearing the burqas before 9-11 last year. We didn't give a flying crap about it. We were cozying up to them so they could help us build that Afghan oil pipeline. We couldn't have given two craps less about how they suppressed their people. And now we're talking about, oh, the military, the, the uh, ruthless regime and all this other bull crap. Who the hell are we kidding? A bunch of dumb people. Only the dumbest of the dumb can be buying this bull crap. Speaking of dumb, Governor Bush, thanks woman who tipped police to possible terror threat. Although he isn't as dumb as his brother, though, is he? No, his brother's not dumb. He's just evil. No, he is dumb. Jeb? Oh, and I see, I, and we, let's let, no, yeah, Jeb is evil, but not as dumb as W. So right. I should have said it, right. right? But W, of course, is a lot more powerful because he's, he's not just governor. Them. He's the head of 50 states, not just one. Anyway, Governor Jeb Bush said yesterday he telephoned the Georgia woman who alerted authorities of last week's possible terror threat to thank her for the warning. Eunice Stone said she overheard three men possibly discussing terrorist plans at that Georgia restaurant on Thursday. Come on now, AP, you can say Shoney's again. They deserve a free plug. They got good punky pie or strawberry pie or something. At least they used to. I'm going to have to go into that and I say I can't because I'll, I'll get the don't, strawberry pie. Don't, now, don't do it. Now, didn't they don't have, wasn't it Shoney's that had like the Slim Jim and they had all those other silly names for their sandwiches? You know, I'm not sure. I don't think I've been in a Shoney's in 20 years. They had Slim Jims. Those are pretty good. That sounds like, good. Like with poppy seeds on a roll, they were pretty damn good. Uh, and, well, this got the name. We don't need all that stuff again. Some Muslim groups have called Stone a racist, saying she acted on a prejudice against the men who are of Middle Eastern descent and in the U.S. legally, and one of them wears a Hussad Shako that looks like a doily. I was really surprised at how critical the people were of her actions, Bush said. This is Jeb. So I called her on Saturday morning and said, you did exactly what the president of the U.S. has asked people to do. And he's right. Let's hear it for Jeb. For once in his life, he's right. In fact, he's going to be singing that song with Stevie Wonder. Stone of Cartersville, Georgia, was hospitalized briefly on Monday, suffering from chest pains and stress, her attorney said. Bush brought up the telephone conversation while meeting with Oscar Garner, a Southwest Florida Air Coordinator for the State Bureau of Preparedness and Response. We're prepared and we're responding, baby. Just like they responded there. And, of course, it was all thanks to Eunice, who I think should get the Congressional Medal of Honor. She knows it's a freaking orange alert. She ain't having no orange asthma. She's busy keeping her eyes and ears peeled. She heard what those scumbags said. She called the police. She did her American patriotic duty. And now she's taking crap and has to go on every one of these goddamn TV, show, TV shows to defend herself. Shame on you people that are knocking her in that 35% of you that believe these uh, schmata heads, huh? Who are just trying to save puss is what they're trying to do. Miami and Central Florida DCF directors resign. Speaking of Jeb, this is in the uh, Sun Sentinel, so it might actually be true. By the way, Janet Laws. Oh! The director of the state's child welfare agency in the district where five-year-old Rilia will... And by the way, have you heard about Rilia? How's she doing? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yeah, we don't hear one thing about Rilia Wilson no more. The director of the state's child welfare agency in the district where five-year-old Rilia Wilson was missing for 15 months before the agency reported her disappearance announced his resignation Tuesday. Oh! Charles Auslander resigned September 2. He'll stay in the post till November 15th unless the Department of Children and Family Secretary Jerry Regeer finds a replacement sooner. Jerry Regeer. Oh, my God. I felt no pressure whatsoever to resign, said Auslander. It's exclusively my own decision. With a name like that, he should fit into the Bush plans real well. Auslander. Ach. Wouldn't you think? Ach. Ach. He said he retired for personal reasons, including the wear and tear his family's endured during the last six months as the agency has come under increased scrutiny and tremendous criticism, and justifiably so. 
Critics have called for the resignation of Auslander, former DCF Secretary Kathleen Kearney, and other department officials after William's disappearance became known. The caseworker assigned to the girl and the caseworker supervisor have also resigned. And, of course, she was only one out of very many, we found out. Auslander said he didn't feel he was being pushed out because of the Rillia case, but he believes the department's workers lost confidence because of all the public attention the case attracted. Although I've had a lot of tough jobs in my life, this has undoubtedly been the toughest, he'd be saying. Auslander was the agency's second regional director to announce his resignation in as many days. Rick Berry, 51, who oversees Volusia and Flagler counties, announced his resignation on Monday. It was unclear at what date he'd be leaving. His, he left his $104,000 a year job, saying it's time to make way for the department's new director to appoint a different team to let them come goose-stepping into Florida and do their thing, okay, and beat the crap out of all the kids and put the women back in the kitchen and back in the bedroom, making lots and lots of babies and all that other good Christian stuff. Ain't that right? Yes. You got it. 270 votes on the poll. What do you listen to in the noon to one hour? And of course, my numbers are going down and down. Is that uh, probably that one guy? Yes, indeed. He's got a he's got the software for it. Neil 191, 70.7%. Rush 39, other 12. Jim Rome 11, which he don't have 11 people in South Florida for his entire audience. Uh, Music 9 and Bill O'Reilly 8. I hear my phone ringing. It must be there's a package downstairs. Did you send me that CD? Yes, I did. Well, it must be there, and then right. I'm going to pick up the phone. This is the concierge. I have a package for you. We pay you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I like that. Service with a smile. 1056 at 560 WQM. You'll get service with a smile at Hallett Pontiac. I know that. Whether you see Tom Lehman or any of the other great sales holes down there. See, there's a big difference. They got sales holes down there that really treat you great, that do their job, that are conscientious. They don't give you the big high-pressure song in the dance, but they do their job, and they you know, cut you a good deal as opposed to our sales holes who just refuse to do their job, who are adamant, we're not going to write copy, we're not going to get information, we're not going to give you nothing, we're just going to give you a hard time. Well, you get a great time at Hallett Pontiac. And they're at it again down there. Zero percent financing continues with approved credit from GMAC. You can get zero percent financing up to 36 months on all 2003 Pontiacs and GMC models, which are in stock right now. And maybe someday Bob Eisenberg and his muskrat will give you some information on those great new 2003s. Or you can take a rebate of up to four grand on all 2002 Pontiacs or GMC models in stock. So if you want yourself a spectacular deal on Pontiacs and GMCs, this is the place. And of course, if anybody else turns you down for credit, have no fear. Tom Lehman will take care of you at Hallett Pontiac GMC, 13401 South Dixie Highway. That's on US 1, right across from the falls. Open every day, seven days a week. For more info, call 305-238-4040. That's 305-238-4040. For Hallett Pontiac GMC, who do be professional grade. And local. This is Sports Radio 560. UAM. That fanny is so large, I don't think he has ever seen the Buttmaster machine in his life. It's the Anna Nicole Show. America's favorite slump meat trash, whose only claim to fame was that she blew a rich guy. Anna Nicole, the no-talent, fat, gooey, pasty, but famous celebrity. You mean here? Watch tonight as Bob Vila applies her makeup. All right, if you sit perfectly still, you shouldn't feel a thing when I use his power roll. She doesn't look good. She can't act. She can't talk. She can't think. Say, she could run for president. The Anna Nicole Show, tonight on Air. It's 1101 at 560 WQAM, so I lied yesterday when I said we're going to play bits between 1101. In fact, I think I said that this morning, too, didn't I? Yeah. I lied. Well, okay. I changed my mind. Oh, damn it, I just ordered lunch. That's okay. 
I mean, at any given moment, I might say, oh, well, okay, that's enough for today, and then go into a whole bunch of uh, frenzy of comedy bits. But there are a few things on here that need to be uh, talked about. Tycho tycoons scramble for bail money. This is just, it's enough to make you want to scream. How much is enough? I've been asking that question for about 400 years. When does some pig ever have enough? The two men who formerly were Tycho's chief executive officer and its chief financial officer are facing a real possibility of not being able to make bail and being ordered to jail as early as tomorrow. Oh! At a hearing yesterday, lawyers for former CEO L. Dennis Kozlowski and former CFO Mark Schwartz said that it, uh, the two, it isn't that they don't have any money, they just can't get their hands on it because their assets have been frozen by court order, thank goodness. He's got more assets than Custer had Indians, said Kozlowski's lawyer, Stephen Kaufman, explaining that the problem is getting access to the money. He can't even go to an ATM. Kozlowski, 55, and Schwartz, 42, are accused of looting millions of dollars from the conglomerate, which makes everything from security systems and medical devices to coat hangers and plastic wrap. I sure hope they don't make no wire hangers. No wire hangers. Or Joan Crawford's going to come back and beat the snot out of both of them. Money offered by relatives and others close to the two defendants, even Kozlowski's ex-wife, is being objected to by prosecutors. They argue that the asset shouldn't be allowed as bail money because they could have been acquired through profits of the crime of which the two men are charged. Last week, State Supreme Court Justice Michael Obas set bonds of $100 million for Kozlowski and $50 million for Swartz will be jailed unless they come up with 10% of that amount by tomorrow. Heading into tomorrow's bail deadline with empty pockets, the defendants have been told to post whatever assets they believe might be eligible for use as bail money, and if the prosecution objects to the source of the money, a hearing on that issue will be held. Arguing on behalf of Kozlowski, Kaufman told the judge yesterday that his client's ex-wife, Angie, had agreed to put up her $10 million house in Greenwich, Connecticut, or $10 million in municipal bonds as bond security. Assistant District Attorney John Mosco described both as possibly attributable to the course of conduct charged in the indictment. We've made every reasonable effort to satisfy the bond that Your Honor said, said Kaufman. Moscow replied, it doesn't seem appropriate that the proceeds of the crime should be used as bail. All we want to know if the bail is the proceeds of the crime. Kaufman says the restraining order Obis issued last week keeps Kozlowski from using his assets anywhere in the country for his bond. The defense attorney adds that he believes it is legally questionable whether a New York judge has the authority to issue such an order. Don't ever give an order like that again. Swartz's lawyer, James Mitchell, told the judge, we find ourselves in essentially the same situation as Mr. Kaufman. Mitchell said his client's wife had offered prop, uh, property she had and the defendant owned jointly. Moscow told Obis that given the employment history of Swartz's wife, it's quite obvious that the source of the funds is the defendant. Obis said it appeared to him that some of the bond collateral offered by the defendants might not be subject to his restraining order. He told the defense to return tomorrow post the security, and if Moscow objects, the court will hold a hearing on whether it's acceptable or not, or whether he's going to throw their ass in the uh, brig. Kozlowski and Swartz were charged last week with enterprise corruption and grand larceny for allegedly stealing some $600 million from Tyco. They face up to 25 years in prison on each of those charges if convicted. Tyco's former general counsel, Mark Belnick, 55, was charged at the same time with falsifying business records to cover up $14 million in improper loans. Belnick, who could get as much as four years in jail if convicted, was released last week on an unsecured personal recognizance bond of only a million bucks. Prosecutors filed criminal charges against the men soon after the SEC accused them of hiding huge loans and other money they allegedly took out of Tyco, which is based in Bermuda but headquartered in New Hampshire. The SEC said Kozlowski, I mean, this part of the story just makes you want to get down on your hands and knees and puke yep. your guts out. Pigs. Disgusting. <laughs> Pigs. The SEC said Kozlowski $242 million from an employee loan program established to help workers buy stock to pay for yachts, fine art, jewelry, luxury apartments, and vacations. 
Herzlowski had already been indicted in June on charges of evading New York sales taxes on $13 million in art, including works by Renoir and Monet. He resigned from Tyco in June, a day before being indicted. He has pleaded not guilty in that case. The court order froze $600 million of Kozlowski's assets. Tyco, furthermore, is in the process of seizing most, if not all, of his assets, including a $17 million Fifth Avenue apartment, a $7 million Park Avenue apartment he turned over to his ex-wife, a $5 million Nantucket home, and a $30 million compound in Boca Raton. You know who lives in Boca, don't you? No. Swartz is accused of using company money to invest in sports teams and buy expensive jewelry and improper expenses allegedly incurred by Kozlowski include a $2.1 million birthday party for his wife in Sardinia, Italy. Well, that's not so bad. Other alleged unauthorized expenses incurred by Kozlowski include $6,000 for a shower curtain, a $15,000 umbrella stand, a $6,300 sewing basket, and $445 for a pincushion. They ought to turn him into a human pincushion is what they ought to do. And let everybody who got sucked down to the toilet with their stock, which is now in the crapper, stick pins in his ass. You know, it's one thing if you're going to, like, embezzle a couple million here. You know what I'm saying? Right. How much do you have to steal? How all, much of a of pig? How much of a disgusting pig do you have to be? God damn it. By the way, your friend on the on our website just had going, speaking of being a feeding frenzy, out of his mind now. Since you mentioned the thing about the program, just right. out of his mind. 302 votes, and some of them are even for real now. What do you listen to in the most days in the uh, noon to one hour? Neil 206. That's down to like two-thirds now as he's pumping in all kinds of votes for everybody and anybody. Rush 49, Bill O'Reilly 20, Jim Rome 12, other 12, and Music 11. <clears throat> FTC finally getting around to it. Weight loss ads full of baloney. Nearly 40% of weight loss ads in a study by U.S. regulators made at least one representation that was almost certainly false, according to a report released yesterday. And about 55% of the ads included at least one representation that was very likely to be false or lacked adequate substantiation of its promises, the analyzation by the FTC staff said. And, boy, is this long overdue or what? They're all bent out of shape about poor Miss Cleo, but when it comes to all these fraudulent uh, things on TV, they haven't been able to give a crap up until now. They couldn't care less. There are no fast and easy fixes, Surgeon General Richard Carmona wrote in a preface to the study. The public must adopt a healthy skepticism about advertising that promises miracles and scientific breakthroughs. Carmona said companies should use real weight loss results in their promotions, and publishers and broadcasters should screen ads they run to ensure they're based on science and not on swishful thinking. About 61% of U.S. adults are overweight or obese, the report said. More than two-thirds of all Americans trying to lose or keep off weight. Consumers spent about $35 billion in 2000 on weight loss products, ranging from books and videos to drugs and diet shakes, the report said. When in doubt, shake it out. The report urged Americans who spend billions annually on weight loss products and services to look skeptically at ads that promise a quick fix for dropping pounds, such as you can eat as much as you want and still lose weight. What's that one, that Hollywood uh, crap in a bottle? I thought that's you know, what it's called, Hollywood crap in a bottle. Hollywood crap in a bottle. You drink this crap over the weekend and lose 15 pounds by Monday. Right. Consumer testimonials and before and after photos were common in diet promotions, but rarely portrayed realistic weight loss, the report said. The FTC conducted the study with the Partnership for Healthy Weight Management, a coalition that includes scientists, government agencies, and weight loss companies. The groups evaluated 300 ads from broadcasting cable TV, infomercials, radio, magazines, newspapers, supermarket tabloids, direct mail, commercial email, and Internet websites. The staff also compared 1992 ads from eight national magazines to 2001 ads in the same publications. False or misleading claims are common in weight loss advertising, and based on our comparison of 92 magazine ads with magazine ads for 2001, the number of products and the amount of advertising, much of it deceptive, appears to have dramatically increased over the last decade, the report. Yeah, that's because you people didn't do anything about it. 
Many of the ads were likely with likely false claims appeared in mainstream magazines like Family Circle and Cosmopolitan Report be saying. The FTC staff did not evaluate whether specific claims were substantiated, but the report said many of the promised effects clearly were unsupported by scientific evidence. Claims that are too good to be true include assertions that a user can lose a pound a day or more for extended periods, that substantial weight loss without surgery can be achieved without diet or exercise, and that users can lose weight regardless of how much they eat, the report said. Just manja manja, baby. Just keep shoveling it down your puss. Consumers must become more knowledgeable about the importance. How about doctors becoming knowledgeable, you idiots? about the importance of achieving and maintaining healthy weight, more informed on how to shop for weight loss products and services, and more skeptical of ads promising quick fixes, the report said. Media screening standards also would reduce the amount of blatantly deceptive advertising, they said. The FTC also said its efforts against deceptive marketing for weight loss products have increased. In April 2000, this is one of my all-time favorites that I've screamed about. How did it take them this long to go after these bastards? Informa Natural Products, which advertised and sold the Informa system, agreed to repay $10 million to customers to settle FTC charges that they used false claims about scientific testing. I'm sure almost everybody remembers these ads. The company promoted its two products, Fat Trapper and Exercise in a Bottle, primarily... Yeah, we got your exercise in your Rectum. ass, okay? Primarily with a 30-minute infomercial featuring former baseball player Steve Garvey. Steve, the bird of paradise should crawl off your ass, okay? The company claimed the system could block fat being absorbed and increase the body's capacity to burn it off. Exercise in a bottle. That's the kind I like. That's the kind that guy from the uh, broadcast school likes, too. That's where he gets his exercise, left in that bottle. That's what you said. Isn't that what you say? Uh, yeah. Besides his bad breath? Well, that's fine. By promoting unrealistic expectations and false hopes, they doom current weight loss efforts to failure and make future attempts less likely to succeed, said Dr. George Blackburn, who's a quack, by the way, a professor of nutrition at Harvard Medical School. He's a quack. Blackburn said some weight loss supplements, like safety warnings, can be dangerous. Ephedra, a popular herb commonly used for weight loss in bodybuilding, has long been controversial. The FDA has reports of 100 deaths among Ephedra users. A hundred. That's not too bad. The Justice Department said, and as a matter of fact, how's, what's her name doing with that uh, Fen-Fen? Linda Energy. I saw Linda Energy. Yeah, that would be good. The Justice Department said last month it's conducting a criminal investigation into whether Metabolife International, the nation's leading seller of the supplement, lied about the safety of ephedra. While the FTC study didn't criticize specific products, it provided many examples of false or exaggerated claims. One product made from the ground-up shells of shrimps, crabs, and lobsters was promoted with statements like, Have you ever seen an overweight fish or an oyster with a few pounds too many? To lose weight and not regain it, ongoing changes in thinking, eating, and exercise are essential, Blackburn said. He said that when people know more about realities of weight loss, fewer will be inclined to waste their money, time, and effort on dangerous fads, on frauds, like that keto sand, that low-budget infomercial where they're sitting in front of a dying plant. Have you ever seen that one? Yes. Kytosol, keto sand, whatever the hell they're talking about. They wouldn't know how to lose weight if you stuck a guy with your arm up their ass. It still wouldn't help them lose weight. What am I getting excited about? It's just, it's just that this this crap is on all over the place now. And other than our good friend Ron Popeil, that, that machine of his is pretty good, you know? Which one, the dehydrator? No, 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 not that one. Like I said, even Ron Popeil and his pocket the swisherman thing there. The rotisserie? Oh, the, 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 the rotisserie grill, that's good. But but almost everything else you see advertised in infomercials on TV, like that one, what's the one where you stick that uh, the power uh, your power tool in there? Roy! You know what I'm talking about? I beg your pardon. You stick your power tool in it and you smear up all the bananas and strawberries. You smear up your banana. Speaking of smearing your banana, I'd like to smear that Todd Dreck. Would, oh, I'd like to take 400 pounds of dog poop and just smear him with it. In fact, when I get back, we might work on that, you know? You bring the poop. No, seriously. 
when we get done uh, with that uh, thing in the church we're going to do with Mo, you know, Opie and Anthony, when we get done with that, we'll have them tie up Todd Dreck and smear him with the elephant poop for an hour. Anyway, if you want to become a high-paid computer professional, Todd Dreck would like to tell you where to go. I'd like to tell him where to go. Fast Rain. How do you find a good school that will help you accomplish this? Well, Fast Rain is the only school that's got four convenient locations in Dayton Broward, and someday maybe Todd will tell us where all of them are. There's only one school that's got certified Microsoft instructors, convenient day, evening, and weekend classes. Only one school, Fast Rain, that has full job time placement for you with over 30 years' experience. And with Fast Rain, you can complete your program and get certified in just four short months. We're talking real hands-on training. So if you're tired of working for peanuts like an elephant in the circus, if you're tired of working for some dead-end job and some goofball, get up off your butt, pick up the phone and call Fast Train and get trained to be a computer professional, get a real career, and start making a real paycheck. Call toll-free 1-866-FAST-TRAIN, 1-866-FAST-TRAIN, or check them out on the web at fasttrain.com. And when you call, be sure and whisper these words into the phone, Todd Dreck is an asshole. Live and local, this is 560. The radio is all yours. QAM. Bill Rogers, Ah. tonight on the National Geographic Special. After 14 months at sea, Jacques Cousteau observes subtle changes in his crew's behavior. As we enter the Serragasso Sea, I noticed that Philippe has removed his wetsuit and slipped into a provocative silk teddy with matching French cut panties. I am aghast. But the entire crew of the Calypso has suddenly changed into Picaboo lingerie and push-up braziers. Don't miss the season premiere of The Underwear World of Jacques Cousteau. The sea is a strange mistress, and so is my first mate, Jean-Claude. Uh-oh. Tonight on PBS. 1118 at 560. How's Jacques doing? Is he still dead? Yes. Okay. I think noon to one will play bits today. How's that? Sounds good to me. Where'd George go? Is he out taking another crap? You guessed it. Oh, brother. This poor George, man. He must have had some of that rat poison, some of that uh... Miami mayor to attend Latin Grammy show. What a shame George isn't going to get to hear this story. This is specifically for him. I thought he'd be very pleased to hear this. Well, maybe Carlos will like it. Miami Mayor Manny Diaz is expected to attend tonight's Latin Grammy Awards in Los Angeles and has expressed interest in bringing the music awards show back to South Florida <laughs> so we can stir up all those old crazy Cubans again. Comunista, comunista. We can get all that uh, crazy controversy going again. Diaz was scheduled to be in California for a leadership conference with the U.S. Conference of Mayors, said his press officer, Kelly Penton. Enrique Fernandez, executive director of the Latin Recording Academy, said he found out a week ago that the Diaz planned to attend the Grammys. We had invited him, Fernandez said. Fernandez said Grammy executives met last month in Miami with Diaz and Eduardo Padron, president of the Miami-Dade Community College, about the possibility of doing education programs in the city that would focus on careers in the music industry. Hopefully not any communistas, by the way. We touched on the fact that Miami is also one of the places that seems like a possible venue for the show. The mayor said we should talk about it further, Fernandez added. Diaz's visit is being seen as an attempt to make amends with Grammy leaders who abruptly pulled out of Miami last summer, three weeks before the nationally televised show was to have been staged at the American Airlines Arena. Michael Green, then head of the National Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences, said he made the move to avoid planned protests by Cuban exiles over the possible presence of musicians from Cuba. Oi! It was Cubans! As a matter of fact, I have a Cuba story here in a second. Both Bob Green, uh, Bob, I'm sorry, see, Bob Green was in the news the other day, the one from Chicago. Both Michael Green, who stepped down from his Grammy job early in the year, and former Mayor Joe Carroyo, the most vocal supporter of the planned protest, are both gone from their posts, clearing the way for Diaz to make a pitch for the show's return. How do you like that? It's great. Let's see if we can actually keep it. 
former Mayor Joe Carroyo. Hey, listen, they'll get all those old Cubans whipped up into a frenzy. they got nothing else going on right now. They don't have Janet to vote against in November. Cuba, what, is George still taking on? <coughs> wow. Yeah, Talk like about heavy duty. Cuba hampers war on terror, U.S. says. The Cuban government is impeding our efforts to defeat terrorism by feeding U.S. officials misleading information fabricated by Castro's intelligence apparatus, a Bush administration officer charged yesterday. This is not harmless game playing. It is a dangerous and unjustifiable action that damages our ability to assess real threats, said Dan Fisk, Deputy Assistant Secretary of State for Western Hemisphere. It could one day cost innocent people their lives. In speeches to two groups on opposite sides of the debate over U.S.-Cuba issues, Fisk said that beginning on the day of the attack, September the 11th, Cuban agents gave U.S. officials false leads seeking to misdirect the investigation. This was only the beginning of a steady stream of what's turned out to be a wild goose chases intentionally initiated by the Castro regime, Fisk said in his speeches. In an interview later, he told the Herald, we've seen instances on three continents. The responsible agencies found a discernible pattern of information that leads us to conclude that this is part of a continuing pattern of false leads. He declined to provide details about the person's information involved, saying only that the responsible agencies had determined the people were Cuban agents. Fish said his words were chosen carefully and were cleared by intelligence and law enforcement agencies. Incredibly. Yeah. At least once a month, Cuban representatives have tried to set up our intelligence and law enforcement with false tips that took time to check. He said, I think what they're doing is they're setting up with these kind of comments if they don't let us go there into Iraq, you know. At least let's go into Cuba, huh? Oh. Let's go get Fidel. If we can't get Saddam, we'll get some other bearded son of a bitch. How does that sound? Okay. Sounds like a deal. Okay, are you okay now? Oh, well, I wouldn't say that. Carlos said you had a real moving experience is what he just, that's the way he I was moving it. really fast. I think that's what he said is you were full of crap. <laughs> Much U.S. military so planning marches on. Now, here, this is from the uh, Washington Post. Isn't it? I don't know. Well, I better take a look at it. See where. Well, whatever. Oh, it's from Reuters. I'm sorry. The Pentagon is moving ahead with contingency planning for possible war with Iraq despite Baghdad's unconditional offer for the return of U.N. weapons inspectors, U.S. officials said yesterday. We've seen this before. The Iraqis are masters of the stop and start. One official told Reuters, if we stopped every time they started, we would never end their weapons of mass destruction program. The officials, who of course asked not to be identified, said the U.S. was discussing with Britain the possibility of basing up to six radar avoiding BTB. And I played that Jacques Cousteau thing and you were taking a crap. Oh, damn it. Which one? The underwear uh, world. Oh, that's my favorite one, too. Too bad. God's punishing you, okay? The officials who asked not to be identified said the U.S. was discussing with Britain the possibility of basing up to six radar-avoiding B-2 stealth bombers on the British Indian Ocean island of Diego Garcia, and the military was proceeding with plans to send much of its key central command staff to gutter for an exercise in November. Nothing stopped. There were always contingency plans going on here, one official said. One day after Iraq offered to allow U.N. inspections under mounting world pressure and the threat of military action from Washington. Shipping sources said the U.S. Navy was seeking to ship military vehicles and hundreds of containers full of ammunition from Europe to the Gulf. The Navy's request marks what will be the fourth major U.S. arms delivery using commercial shipments to the Gulf since early August. The Pentagon said earlier uh, that the previous three shipments were for routine military exercises in the Gulf, but industry experts interpret them as a sign it is building firepower ahead of a possible attack. In other words, no matter what they say, no matter how many inspectors they let in, no matter if they all stand around naked and let us do a cavity search, it ain't going to make any difference because the Hawks have already decided, oh! we're going in, baby. Isn't that the feeling you get? I get it. I'm feeling it. That's what I'm feeling. Just like I'm feeling sick about this poll today because your buddy out there is just in a in a psychotic feeding frenzy. Why are you hanging him on me? Your pal. Isn't he the one that voted like 80 million times against you when we did that? Yeah, pal? sure. But he's just he Mr. Contrary. Whatever he thinks is going to piss us off the most. Especially me, though. I guess you're right. He's my buddy. 
344 votes, some of them real, not too many. What do you listen to uh, most days in the noon to one hour? Neil, 228, 66.2%. The real percentage is about 78. Once, once he got on this, you notice how it changed. It was that way for about a half an hour. And then once he got on here, all of a sudden it just went in a crapper. Bush, 54. That's 15.5%. Bill O'Reilly, 21, which went from nowhere, from like 7 to 21 in about five minutes. Uh, Jim Rome, 14, which is more than his entire nationwide listening audience. Other, 14. And miscellaneous, 13. 244. It's 11, not even 11.30. We got 244 votes. Does anybody buy it? No. This guy needs to be strapped in, man. Get Joan Crawford out with that straitjacket. Tie his hands up behind his back so he can't do himself any damage. Oh, and it's time for another award-winning spot from our good friend Skippy. Oh! I think what we ought to do is start announcing the AEs. Of course, we don't know who half of them are before we do the spots. You know what I'm saying? That's a good yeah, idea. That is a good credit where to do. Here's another great piece of copy written by uh, Petey Lenny for our friend Skippy, who can't write a piece of copy because he wouldn't know one if you stuffed the entire copy book up his Rectum. ass. Nice going, Skippy. You won't be here long. Don't unpack. New Balance's South Florida covers all your athletic and schlepping around town needs. That's schlepping with one P. Sleeping around town. You've been sleeping around? If you need new athletic shoes for cross-training, cross-dressing, running, walking, weightlifting, or for other activities, New Balance of South Florida has got your feet covered. They got them covered, baby, and your feet, too. New Balance came up with a revolutionary concept, says Petey Lenny. They actually measure how long and how wide it is before they start hooking you up. That's right, your foot, too. New Balance has got shoes to match your foot's length from infant all the way up to size 20, like Tom Welling. What's he up to, like a 14? At least. And by this season, might even be up to, like, an 18. The result, athletic shoes from New Balance that give you the best possible fit, like those fantastic, sh fancy, schmancy ones that I'm wearing very proudly, and they're great. New, and, and you know something? My feet are uh, phenomenal now. They're, they're lovely. From the ankles down, I'm in super shape. New Balance of South Florida's got style, sizes, and widths of shoes that you can only find before in catalogs or by mail order. New Balance is your one-stop shop for you and the whole family, and for any unlikely reason they need a special order, you something, they do it at no extra charge. So make a run, to new, just like George just did. He made a run. To New Balance of South Florida and Aventura Mall, Pinecrest, Boca Town Center, and Palm Beach Gardens coming in November, too. If your feet could thank you, they would if you go to New Balance. We're Sports Radio 560 QAM. Stop off at Nikes! Look at this, son. It's a full-fledged liberal. Out the door. Out the door. Oh, let me get this one, Dad. Oh, I said he. <laughs> yes, hunting the wild, raving liberal is just one of the swell things you can do at George Bush Gardens. You want rides? Well, George Bush Gardens has them. There's the Pirates of HUD over in Scandal Land, the Civil Rights Carousel. We've got that one running backwards. And, oh, here comes my favorite, Bush Mountain, the world's only flat roller coaster. Oh, there's Danny the Clown. <laughs> I'm the vice president, you know. <laughs> what a bozo. So visit George Bush Gardens. Come wrapped in an American flag and get in for half price. George Bush Gardens, every day seems like George Bush Gardens, where every day seems like four years off Interstate 95 in Kennebunkport. You know, I'm just thinking, I never really looked at it that way. Back in that uh, in those days, Bush won. We had a president who was extraordinarily cunning and dangerous and a vice president who was a moron. Right. Now we got a president who's a moron and a vice president who's extremely cunning and dangerous. 
And I also remember back in those days, ACN bits were funny. Yeah, wasn't that great? That's I why I got that. all these out for that big noon to one hour today. Hey, that'll goose up noon to one no matter what this uh, Schmendrick puts on there. Or maybe not. Maybe all of these intellectuals who want to hear all of this stuff that's going on in the world, maybe they'll say, oh, gee, you shouldn't be doing that because uh, that's wasting an hour you could be. Hey, listen, we got to do something a little bit special on Wednesday, don't we? Yeah, let's. Or not. Iraq upside down, writes Thomas Friedman in the New York Times today. By the way, trim that mustache, Tom. And next time you write a book, don't just make it a collection of stuff you wrote before. Anyway, he writes, recently I've had the chance to travel around the country and do some call-in radio shows, during which this question of Iraq has come up often. And here's what I can report from a totally unscientific sample. Don't believe the polls that a majority of Americans favor a military strike against Iraq. It's just not true. It's also not true that the public is solidly against taking on Saddam Hussein. What is true is that most Americans are perplexed. The most oft-asked question I heard was some variation of, how come all of a sudden we have to launch a war against Saddam? I realize that he stumped his nose at the U.N. and he has dangerous weapons, but he's never threatened us, and if he does, couldn't we just vaporize him? What worries me are Osama and the terrorists still are out there, they're saying. That's where I think most Americans are at. Deep down, they believe that Saddam is deterrable. That is, he doesn't threaten the U.S. and never has because he's been deterred by the way, deterred the same way Russia, China, North Korea have been. He knows that even if he hints at threatening us, we'll destroy him. Saddam has always been homicidal, not suicidal. Indeed, he spent a lifetime perfecting the art of survival because he loves life more than he hates us. No, what worries Americans are not the deterrables like Saddam. What worries them are the undeterrables, the kind of young Arab Muslim men who hit us on 9-11 are still lurking. Americans would pay virtually any price to eliminate the threat from the undeterrables, the terrorists who hate us more than they love their own lives, and therefore cannot be deterred. I share this view, which is why I think the Iraq debate is upside down. Most strategists insist that the reason we must go into Iraq, and the only reason, is to get rid of its weapons of mass destruction, not regime change and democracy building. I disagree. I think the chances of Saddam being willing or able to use a weapon of mass destruction against us are being exaggerated. What terrifies me is the prospect of another 9-11 in my mall, in my airport, in my downtown, triggered by angry young Muslims motivated by some pseudo-religious radicalism cooked up in a mosque in Saudi Arabia, Egypt, or Pakistan. And I believe that the only way to begin defusing the threat is by changing the context in which these young men grew up, namely all the Arab Muslim states that are failing in modernity and become an engine for producing the undeterrables. So I am for invading Iraq only if we think that doing so can bring about regime change and democratization, because what the Arab world desperately needs is a model that works, a progressive Arab regime that by its sheer existence would create pressure and inspiration for gradual democratization and modernization around the region. I have no illusions about how difficult it would be to democratize a fractious Iraq. It would be a huge, long, costly task if it's doable at all, and I'm embarrassed to say that I don't know if it is. All I know is that it's the most important task worth doing and worth debating, because only by helping the Arabs gradually change their context, a context now dominated by anti-democratic regimes and anti-modernist religious leaders and educators, are we going to break the engine that's producing one generation of another after uh, of undeterrables. These undeterrables are young men who are full of rage because they're raised with the view of Islam as the most perfect form of monotheism, but they look around their home countries and see widespread poverty, ignorance, and repression. And they're humiliated by it, humiliated by the contrast with the West and how it makes them feel. And it's this humiliation, this poverty of dignity, that drives them to suicidal revenge. The quest for dignity is a powerful force in human relations. Closing that dignity gap is a decades-long project. We can help, but it can succeed only if people there have the will. But maybe that's what we're starting to see. Look at how Palestinian legislators just voted no confidence in Arafat. Look at how some courageous Arab thinkers produced an Arab Human Development Report which declared that the Arab Muslim world was backward because of its deficits of freedom, modern education, and women's empowerment. If we don't find some way to help these countries reverse these deficits now, while access to smaller and smaller nuclear weapons is still limited, their young, angry, undeterrables will blow us up long before Sodom ever does, writes Thomas Friedman.
Which is okay, but what he neglects to point out is that he's living in a pipe dream. Democratization of Arab countries, in addition to which all of that poverty that we hear several people talking about, how come it is that all these wealthiest of wealthy nations like Saudi Arabia, how come that the mainstream people there live like schleppers, live in rampant poverty? And throughout most of the Arab world, since they're the ones that have most of the oil. Isn't that a good question, don't you think? Yeah. And I think the answer is because they don't share the wealth. So just like Jean Chrétien and his very naive uh, comments from last week on CBC can keep screaming about the fact that these people are living in poverty and they look to the West and the U.S. has to share the uh, blame for that, the fact of the matter is that their own countries, it's just like the thing with the Palestinians. If they're so concerned, I've said this for years, if they're so concerned about the plight of those people, just like Georgians who've had their land taken from them and stolen by those lunatic right-wing Israelis, well, that's fine, but we've got plenty of other land in here. Let's bring them on in. Why? Why not? Why should 8 million people have to be evacuated? Well, you only well, got three I'm... and a half to go now. Is it better to keep it on the way it is now? No, it's better to make people comply with uh, international law. We comply with international law? When the hell did that ever start? Well, what, what kind of world are you living in? Dream world. Exactly. I look at that map and I see the size of Egypt and Saudi Arabia and some of those other... Iran, those gigantic... Syria? It's not their job to take refugees. Right, that's true. Why should they solve the problem? They should just they should just suppress Why all of their people, the have problem? them living like schleppers in desperation and poverty, and continue just like we had another another suicide bombing in northern Israel today. Just can just perpetuate it forever because people are stubborn. Not that you're stubborn, but you are. Gulf War II, you heard it here first, writes Mark Kingwell in this morning's National Post. He says readers of this column probably don't credit with much influence in the corridors of the White House an attitude shared except in delusional moments by the author. But news comes this week that provides hope. Scotland Sunday Herald, one of the few actually independent newspapers left in the British Isles, published hard evidence that the Bush administration was planning a regime change in Iraq, which I read yesterday, even before the 2000 election, and had a detailed plan in hand by January 2001. They also reported that the U.S. and Britain have been selling chemical weapons to the Iraqis since 1992. Doesn't that sound like a familiar article? Sounds just like one. That I read yesterday from the Scotland Sunday Herald. I had to check the dates myself to be sure, he says, but yes, there it was, in January 2001. I argued that in this space that the easiest way to cement Bush Jr.'s all-too-shaky mandate was to start up the suspended war with Iraq. Gulf War II would have silenced domestic critics and galvanized public opinion. There was, I suggested, no time like the present. The ever-helpful headline writer came up with something on the order of get on with it, which doesn't have the straightforward menace of let's roll, but it's pretty damn close. I even suggested Bush Fuel should ask his father for some of those sky-blue quasi-military shirts that presidents favor when visiting hot climate theaters of war. I was kidding, of course, but the Bushies chose to ignore that, one of the dangers of attempting satire in our political culture, where a scenario constructed to scare the bejesus out of your average citizen looks just like good policy options to your average politician. And yes, it's proven a little more complicated for Mr. Bush than just doing whatever the hell he wants. It took him almost two years to get his plan to topple Saddam Hussein really going, and he had to invent, invent comic book rhetorical devices like the axis of evil, uh, speciously linking the uh, Iraqis to al-Qaeda terror to keep the fire high. His father's own advisors, meanwhile, have weighed in against the new war, surely complicating conversation over the family dinner table. But the man is not for turning, and his latest move display a degree of savvy that will force all of us to reconsider his mental abilities, at least in the service of self-interest. Mr. Bush's appeal to the U.N. last week was a stroke of genius. On the surface, it marked a significant reversal of all previous policy. Suddenly, Mr. Bush is a committed multilateralist, a pillar of the international community. He comes to New York with a political cap in hand, asking nicely for support against this evil man in Baghdad. In reality, of course, it finessed the situation in a manner to please uh, Machiavelli. 
Now brought generously into the war plans, the U.N. Security Council will find it impossible to resist the arguments of a suddenly compliant and cooperative Bush team. Meanwhile, behind these soft words is the hard truth that the U.S. will proceed with their war plans no matter what happens. In fact, in case anyone has forgotten, British and American planes are bombing Iraqi targets even now, war or no war, almost every day. If you doubt that this apparent change of heart was both sudden and cynical, note two things. Defense Secretary Rumsfeld swiftly recalled a Washington Post op-ed justifying a unilateral pasting of Iraq just days before the 57th U.N. General Assembly opened last Thursday. Then Mr. Bush, after meeting in the morning with Secretary General Kofi Annan and learning of the tough anti-arrogance message that the latter was about to deliver, hustled to revise his own speech in a way that would startle everyone up to his national security advisor, Condoleezza Rice, the administration's late model terminator. Spreading the largesse, Mr. Bush even offered to rejoin UNESCO, the U.N. social and cultural organization, which Ronald Reagan had quit almost 20 years before. Suddenly, the U.N. was not the commie haven and third world wine fest we've been led to believe. Amazing. As the critic Ian Williams put it, perhaps not since the enemy changed from East Asia to Eurasia in mid-oration in George Orwell's 1984 has there been such an abrupt about-face in the nation's foreign policy. In the wake of the UNESCO announcement on the Dow, the Dow Jones Industrial Average immediately dropped 202 points, but this new Bush dodge is still the stuff of brilliance, a snookering to make Jean Chrétien's smartly executed freeze drawing of Paul Martin look like the work of an amateur. Naturally, there was no mention of poning up the U.S.'s long overdue U.N. dues or accepting the authority of the International Criminal Court. Those things might actually cost the administration and its friends something. Instead, there was a subtly effective soft-pedal version of the old Sandlot threat to play nice just until I take my football and go home. This is real politic for the new age, a bland power play deployed as a sincere request for help. The U.N., for its part, had no choice but to go along, since Mr. Bush is now doing exactly what they asked, talking their language, and postponing, if not eliminating, the prospect of unilateral attack. And it all seems to be working nicely. Iraqi Vice President Tarek Aziz announced yesterday that U.N. weapons inspectors will be allowed uncon unconditional access to sites in Iraq. Is this a victory, however small, for multilateralism? Will the Bush administration, faking it for now, someday actually come to acknowledge the value of an international community? Don't hold your breath. Washington rejected Mr. Aziz's latest offer, just as they've rejected all previous ones. As Machiavelli warned, cynicism should beget cynicism. Mr. Bush's display of cooperation is a calculated sham, no more and no less. Credit him with a change of tactics, not a change of heart. Writes Mark Kingwell in this morning's National Post, eh? With a couple of good old anti-American shots thrown in for good measure. They're big on that up here, by the way. I, 18 I till noon. Well, that's because we got such a uh, you know big uh, <laughs> army up here and that curling team. Don't forget about them; they're dangerous. 18 till noon at 560 WQAM. Hey, speaking of uh, diets, and we talked before about the FTC and the FDA and the FU finally getting around to debunking those fads you see on TV, all that quackery. Here's a pill that's going to make you lose weight while you sleep. It's all a bunch of crap because if it worked, everybody'd be doing it. Balance for life isn't quackery. It's not fakery. You don't wind up eating just a bunch of pills, and you don't wind up eating a whole bunch of fattening crap. What you do wind up eating is what they bring you, which is great because it makes it so easy. Just like the beast has lost 54 pounds, and you can do the same and maybe a lot more, too. Or maybe you have less to lose. You'll do it because they bring you that little black sack. That's the key. You fill out your little menu every day. That's the only choice you have to worry about making. You pick between two choices for each meal every day that you're on the program. And then they deliver it to you by 6 in the morning at your home, at your work, at your massage parlor, wherever you're hanging out. Three delicious gourmet meals, two delicious snacks, right in a little black sack, along with a little bottle of water in there, too. And that's it. That's all the food you have to eat for the entire day. And we're not talking about food enough for a parakeet, those little tiny boxes you used to get with Petrid System or stuff like that. We're talking delicious gourmet food made from the best ingredients, nothing frozen, nothing prefab. It's all fresh and delicious, and the weight just pours off your body. So if you want to lose it the scientific way, the way that they figure out for you without calorie counting and carb counting and pill popping, let Balance for Life do the job for you. Call them today and get started at 954-568-3229 and watch those pounds vanish. 
Call 954-568-3229 or visit their website, which uh, Troy tells us is very fancy-schmancy, but you've heard Troy on the air. You understand what I'm talking about. It's balanceforlife.com. Get baby. Hey baby, I'm feeling kind of hungry. What's for lunch? Come here, darling. I'm gonna fix you a funky nickel sandwich. Very good nutrition. Vitamins and all. Help you build your muscles. To play basketball. Jam on this. 11.48, 12 minutes, still noon at 5.60 WQMR. Noon to one hour today, all comedy bits. Isn't that exciting? All right. Including a lot of these old ACN ones, like you said back when they were funny. We like that one. Parents charged in death, a girl forced to drink water, said she had a sneaking problem. This is in Salt Lake City, where their middle name is, like that. Kind of like Greg Reed. That's their middle name. You seen Greg lately, by the way? Yeah, I saw him in the hall just uh, recently. Really? Mm-hmm. Like today? Today. So when you were taking a crap for the 18th time, what did he right. say? He said hi. Oh. Nothing like really important, like we're for sale and somebody uh, like a real broadcaster is buying the station? No. A couple charged with killing their adopted daughter by forcing her to drink large amounts of water. Their adopted daughter, by forcing her to drink large amounts of water, said yesterday they were treating her today. They were treating her severe problems of sneaking and lying with rules to promote family bonding. Richard Kilpack, Kilpack, 34, and Jeanette Kilpack, 26, of Springville, were charged with child abuse, homicide, and child abuse in the death of their four-year-old daughter, Cassandra Kilpack. Richard Kilpack said under rules suggested by a therapist, they required Cassandra to ask for everything, including food and water, to help her understand dependency and that her mom and dad loved her. She had a very severe problem of sneaking and lying to the point of even damage to herself, he said today on the CBS Early Show. They made the suggestion that whatever she sneaked or wanted, that you would do that in excess. After she took water in June, he said they asked her to drink three eight-ounce glasses of water. After about 12 ounces, he said she threw temper tantrums and then followed the request to do exercises and take a time out. She started to complain that her head was dizzy. I asked her to come over to me, and she basically passed down her arms, he said on NBC's Today Show. Her death was a tragic, tragic accident, Jeanette Kilpack said. But prosecutors show evidence shows Cassandra was forced to drink so much water, it lowered the concentration of sodium in her blood, causing fatal brain swelling. The Kilpack's lawyer, Philip Danielson, said unbeknownst to her parents, Cassandra's sodium level was depleted before she drank the water. Sherry Reagan, chief of Utah County Attorney's Criminal Division, said it probably took several quarts of water to cause Cassandra's death. Are you following that? I'm following. Several quarts of water? The explanation they're given for the amount of water that they gave her does not fit the medical evidence, she said on NBC Today. She also said the parents forced Cassandra to drink the water even while she was gagging and tied her arms back. She said cuts and bruises were found around the girl's mouth. She also said Cassandra sneaked Kool-Aid, not water. Oh, I well, see. in that case. And we know that white people ain't supposed to be drinking no Kool-Aid. Well, we were discussing that when you were out sick last week, I think. I see. Well, do you think white people drink Kool-Aid? They certainly do. 
I mean, that's not what Miguel said. He said only Schwarzes drink Kool-Aid. Something. How like would he that. know? What do you mean? How would he know? Cubans don't drink Kool-Aid. Well, there you go. He's Cuban. Right. He don't be drinking no Kool-Aid. Everywhere, Kool everywhere he else. He probably knows been. a couple of white people. I'm white. I don't drink Kool-Aid. I used to do it earlier. All the gringos have Kool-Aid in the fridge. As a matter of fact, the white trash people put Kool-Aid in the babies' bottles and uh, give that to their babies. And what about Jim Jones? What about him? Those <laughs> them people uh, drank Kool-Aid. They drank some Kool-Aid. Just so what's time. wrong with that? Just this once. Kilpack said he was following the recommendations by a therapist at the Cascade Center for Family Growth in Orem, Utah. Too many goyim in Orem. Center Director Larry Van Bloem denied that his therapist promoted forced water drinking. No, we never recommended it, he told the Daily Herald of Provo. In June, Springville police searched the Cascade Center for therapy records on the four-year-old girl. The authority said the center does not share responsibility for Cassandra's death. Clarence Ayotte. The Kilpacks have two daughters, one adopted. Both have been placed in foster care. The couple were waiting a court summons. Gerald Banfield. The charge of the child abuse was filed because they involved their older daughter in the discipline and abuse of Cassandra, and she suffered severe emotional harm, Reagan said. Wayne Temple. The Kilpacks called 9-11 on June 9th when Cassandra was having difficulty breathing following the punishment. She died early the next day. Danielson said Cassandra was physically and sexually abused before being adopted and wasn't bonding with her new parents. He said the Cascade Center promoted forced water drinking for children with attachment disorder, believing it teaches children to seek out their parents for relief and comfort. Richard Kilpack said they had tried several months for nearly three years to help Cassandra's mental conditions. We loved our daughter, he said. We gave her the best treatment we could. We feel very sad about it. In October, Jean Newmaker was convicted in Colorado in the death of her 10-year-old adopted daughter, who suffocated after being wrapped by a therapist in blankets and pillows in what was called a rebirthing session. Newmaker was sentenced to four years probation and 400 hours of community service. A rebirthing session. I remember that story. Didn't that sound great? Yeah, these therapists. <clears throat> well, how is it going to get born again? Can't believe them fairy tales. Speaking of fairy tales, Renee Graham of the Boston Globe writes, as a journalist, I have to believe L.A. Times reporter Chuck Phillips crossed every T and dotted every I before releasing his explosive two-part story about the murder of rapper Tupac Shakur earlier this month. And they got a pull on this, too, as a matter of fact. I have to believe Phillips, who spent the past year investigating the officially still unsolved killing, thought long and hard before reporting that a fellow rapper, the late notorious B.I.G., was intimately involved with the September 1966-96 drive-by shooting that mortally wounded Tupac. We had this story, uh, what was it, last week? Yes. Certainly, Phillips would not write something so damning without checking, rechecking, and double-checking every available source and document. But the hip-hop head in me doesn't know what to do with Phillips' staggering contention that B.I.G., also known as Biggie Smalls, not only paid members of a notorious street gang to execute Tupac, but even supplied his own gun for the shooting. That's also been the overwhelming reaction of the hip-hop nation since, <laughs> since, since Phillips' articles were published September 6th and 7th, the 6th anniversary of Tupac's shooting. How come we didn't celebrate that anniversary? When was it? September 7th, 6th oh, and 7th. Year. The rapper and promising actor died six days later, September 13th. We just missed out on that. So anyway, they took a poll in the Boston Globe. And they asked, did Biggie have Tupac killed? In fact, during the last break, I tried to, like, recheck this thing, but it's not on the uh, Boston.com thing anymore, on the Boston Globe website. So, yeah, but I got quite a few votes, 1,742. Did Biggie have Tupac killed? Yes, he's oh. guilty, 42%. We'll never know who did it, 37.1%. And no, Biggie couldn't have done it, 20.8%. See, again, we'll never know who did it. In other words, we haven't got the foggiest idea. That should have won overwhelmingly. How the hell do they know? Unless, of course, they're rapper experts. Are you a rapper expert? Nigger, please. How about Carlos? You a rapper expert? No. Although saran wrap does work tremendously well. It keeps, keeps stuff very antiseptic. Saran wrap? 
It's the East Coast rappers against the West Coast rappers. <laughs> oh, my God. What, what kind of a country are we talking about here? You know? No wonder the Canadians take some cheap shots. Although, who the hell are they to talk, eh? <laughs> 409. Well, I mean, you know, when you got that curling thing, and boy, I tell you, as much of a hockey fan and Lee fan as I am, I mean, they are in a feeding frenzy this week. Like, hey, how we survived the summer, and now, man, now life is back. Let's get to the serious stuff. Oh! Tell you what, once they decriminalize that weed, then they'll be able to talk. I see. They're, we're working on it. For 16, 16-year-olds 16 and up are going to be able to buy it. Legal drinking age here is 19. They can talk. They're light years ahead of the gold USA. Trust me when I tell you. Light years ahead. Even though we got this dumb frog as prime minister, they're working on getting his ass out. He'll be out. He'll be out. 411 votes on the poll. <laughs> 411 votes, and I'd suggest that, like, maybe 300 of them are real. What do you listen to on most days in the noon to one hour? That's why today it really has got nothing to do with why we're doing it, but it, it's a good story. Noon to one, we're playing all them comedy bits to get all them fun people back, okay? All those people who want to dwell on right-wing bullcrap, you can go over to Rush and Bill O'Reilly and uh, Life with Riley. You can go uh, hang out with them. We want to have a, little, a few laughs noon to one. Anyway, uh, Neil, 268, 65.2%. Rush, 67, Bill O'Reilly, 30, Music, 16, Jim Rome, 15, other 15. See, if he wouldn't have got carried away with Jim Rome, it wouldn't have looked quite so suspicious, you know? I know. But he got a little bit too carried away with Romey. Maybe they only listen to Jim Rome in the days when Hank does a guest appearance. It's 11.56 at 5.60 WQAM. Am I doing the right spot here now, Charles Alfieri? Yes. Now, let's see, who's the coward? Look at that. He even put his name on there, Troy Stratford. Troy the boy. Oh. There's the great black hope, man. I'll tell you that right now. Troy Stratford, good man. He's our only sales hold worth even talking about, especially after Adam faxed me that piece of crap from that agency yesterday. Well, what is he thinking about? Is he thinking? No. No. He's probably looking for another cult. If you find yourself looking in the mirror and wondering where your hair went, like, like Troy Stratford, he should be an expert on this. He don't have a hair on his head. He knows where it went. He's not just shaved bald man. He don't he don't have like a a, a follicle it's on his head. It's to a nice high shine. And his uh and, and the Scaran said is Rectum. is too. Anyway, if you want to get your hair back, Chuck Alfieri's the guy to do it. Not a mousy looking piece, not some silly ass looking thing like Bob Eisenberg wears or like Mo wears that looks like it's got a pound of cashmere bouquet in it. But I'm talking about real great looking hair that looks like it's growing out of your scalp. Charlie is 100% undetectable with his natural hairline system. Everybody you know will think, hey, you got your hair back. It grew back. And people you never knew before will never know that it ain't the real thing. So if you want to start looking better and younger than you have in a coon's age, call right now. Call this toll-free number, 1-800-321-2413. Mention the Rogers. Get that $200 special discount and get your hair back. There's no obligation. They'll sit your ass down, show you just how much better and younger they can make you look with that natural hairline system. And don't forget, you get Charlie's 30-day guarantee. If you don't love it and uh, smell it and feel it and squeeze it after you've been wearing it for 30 days, bring it back and say, here's your hair back, Charlie. Just give me my money back. No problem at all. Make the call today, 1-800-321-2413, and start looking like a mensch, not like Todd Dreck. Or you can check out their website, if you like, at charlesalfieri.com. Live and local. We are Sports Radio 560 QAM. Well, uh, it beat at 12 to 1 hour on WQAM. It puts the lotion in the basket. Say, kids, what's real bad for you but tastes real good? Sugar! And what gives you the excess energy to drive mom crazy? Sugar! So, what breakfast cereal will you tell mom to buy next time she goes shopping? Sugar Shocker 
Two super sugar-coated sugar shockers are little bits of raw cane drenched in honey and coated with powdered sugar, glucose, fructose, corn syrup, and other natural sweeteners. And taste just like sugar-coated sugar! Right, because there's no yucky vitamins or minerals to spoil your fun. Yeah! And how does it make you feel? Like I'm vibrating. Mommy, let's watch cartoons. And moms love sugar shockers, too, because inside every box, there's a free bottle of new Flintstones chewable Valium. So try new super sugar-coated sugar shockers from your friends at Irresponsible Foods. If you love those great songs from those great mafia movies, you flip over real mob hits. Not only does real mob hits give you more of that great mob music, but you also get awesome sounds of real mob hits, like Luca the Ice Pick Fiamma getting his at the 106th Street Barbershop. Forget about it. Or who can forget Sally the Fish getting the old piano wire across the throat? If I remember correctly, it was a B-flat. <laughs> so order real mob hits now if you know what's good for you, just by dialing 1-800-BADA-BING. Real mob hits. Hey, it's real. Forget about it. Carmella and Tony. Oi! Back on my TV. All right. Holy macaroni. <laughs> I hate to interrupt, but did you see Rumsfeld with all the protesters there with the big signs? Yeah, it was hysterical. Uh, I love it. Not war, and he had this uh, Schmidt eating look on his face. You yeah. don't talk to Air uh, Rumsfeld like that, you know. And they were all screaming. In the air. It was a beautiful thing. It was. it was. Watch out, you idiots! Can you believe that jerk? Oh, gosh, Dan, Dan. <laughs> you seem a little tense. Yeah, I've been snapping at people all day. Mm. Maybe it's my 
favorite time of the month. Yeah, me too. You know, I've been cranky, retaining water, and look, wearing these white gloves. I know what you mean. Every 28 days, I get this insatiable craving to buy a banjo. And a corncob pipe? Yeah. Well, then, it looks like there's only one thing to do, sir. And was that there, Mr. Interlocutor? Yeah, that's all things. I wish I was in Dixie. Away, away. These two men are suffering from pre-menstrual syndrome. Beware the warning signs. If your husband ever comes home with a tambourine or a banjo pick and insists on calling you Mr. Bones, hide the shoe polish and call your family doctor immediately. So, uh, tell me that, Mr. Bones. Yes, sir, Mr. Interlocutor. Who was that woman I saw you with last night? Oh, that was no woman. That was Martina Nabataluba. <laughs> no, it's not very funny. And there is no cure. So, when it happens to the man in your life, Try to understand pre-menstrual syndrome. Yeah, this one right here goes out to all the babies' mamas. Mamas. Baby mamas' mamas. Who ain't the only baby's mamas in their man's life. <laughs> yeah. Go like this. I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. Mama, don't like these things, just doing like going out of his own neighborhood and just doing it like Nike. He cheated, as he counts to the American press in the White House, then find out he's got his own thing going with the lights out. And now he's got a new child, it's a baby, out of wedlock, private parts, should be locked up with a padlock. She loves wiping everything, but she ain't the one who laid down. You want to rip up 38 years of marriage to Jacqueline Brown. I remember when he brought us all together when we was divided. Baptist guy had books out known as the Great Unifier, misguided. We lost utmost respect, it is all through. All you did is hurt that lady that you call blue. Yeah. I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. Ooh, is this for real? And with you, you know we sympathize. He's apologized a trillion times. They call Jesse Jackson. The quickest time to throw it on yourself and you'll be fine. Assisting Martin Luther King, he had a dream, not bad a crib at almost 16. And for all days, he's always been committed to labor. To labor, to labor, labor, to labor, labor. We thought labor was work the jobs, but we was wrong. And notice the true meaning of push, coalition. Miss Jackson, his intentions are good. He wish he could become a magician to Africa, Jabber, being a dad, dad. Thoughts of he, thoughts of she, thought Jesse was a minister, but now he's an elderly dad. He's prayed so much about it, that's what he said. It happened for a reason, he should be mad. The news released at this time, it's true. So he would not be present for the George W. inauguration. I'm sorry, Miss Jackson.
my car is so dirty, and I've got to meet an important client this evening. Well, just take it to a car wash. You know, I don't really like to because those machines, they scratch the paint job. I'm not talking about any car wash. I'm talking about Sparkle Clean, the only place in town to get a hand job. They give hand jobs there? Not any hand job, but the best hand job in town. And it's all done while you wait. I love a good hand job. Then you'll love Sparkle. With every five hand jobs, you get a free lubing. So when you need to feel like a million bucks, get a lube and a hand job from Sparkle Clean. We are the best. Oh, yeah, you are. You're the best. Uh, do you think you can wash the car, too? Ten past noon at 560 WQAM. Also, you notice the market? I just mentioned that in passing. I don't want to, like, you know, get all bent out of shape about that, but the market has taken a precipitous crap again today while Rummy was uh, speaking there and uh, rattling his spear. Hey, with your busy lifestyle, you need all the energy you can to feel healthy. Oleomed is the one product that will help you keep in good health and be feeling your best. Oleomed contains pharmaceutical-grade olive oil along with a lot of other good stuff, too. There's vitamins in there and minerals and herbals to promote health for all different parts of your body. There's one Oleomed product, one capsule specifically designed for your heart, one for your blood pressure, your cholesterol, and prostate, and, of course, also one for your circulatory system, your digestive, your endocrine system, your skin, your bones, even your mind, Skippy, even your little mind, Skippy. All using the benefits of pharmaceutical-grade olive oil and Oleomed makes products for men and ladies, too, and even for those who aren't too sure. Oleomed's an outstanding product that's helped thousands of men and women in South Florida stay fit. If you want to check it out, you can pick it up at uh, Whole Food Markets, Walgreens, Sedano's, Navarro Pharmacies. I noticed they changed those around. That's pretty good. For more information, call toll-free 1-866-OLEOMED. That's 1-866-OLEOMED. You can order online if you like to, oleomedamerica.com. When you call that number, by the way, be sure and tell them that Skippy told you to call. My, my, and local. This is Sports Radio 560. QAQAM. In yet another feeble attempt for a morning number, the 560 WQAM Programming Brain Trust proudly presents the Mo Howard Show and the uh, two other people that are in the studio. Hello. Hello. And welcome to the Mo Howard Show. Hey, look, look, we're on the air. Oh, oh, where, where? Over here, you moron. Ow, don't hurt, Mo. Uh, pull your pants down and help me with the show. Okay. Why, you... Now, see here, you moron. We ain't talking about no fish on my show, see? Only sports I like. Now, come here, you muttonhead. <laughs> Say, get a load of that dame over there. What's her name? Oh, that's Carolyn. Say, you think I ought to... Don't do it, Mo. It's a family show. Out of my way. No, Mo. Hey, baby, come Not here. a good idea. I'm a big star, you know. Come on, <laughs> sweet cakes. I just want to touch your hair. Come on, baby. <laughs> Don't miss the Mo Howard Show each and every morning on 560 WQAM. Not that anybody cares anymore. We blew most of the audience off already, so so why not? Harry Callahan is back. And now, he's passing out flowers in airports. Hey, pal. You want to buy a carnation for your lady friend? Huh? Uh, no thanks. Come on, pal. Make my day. Uh, okay. 
Clint Eastwood is Dirty Harry Krishna. You know, in all this excitement, I don't know if I sold you six flowers or only five. But seeing as how Krishna is the most powerful being in the whole universe, and he blew all my hair clean off, you got to ask yourself one question. Uh, what's that? Do you like my orange smock? Well, do you, punk? Clint Eastwood. It's just me, Smith and Wesson. And the Dalai Lama is Dirty Harry Krishna. Now chanting at an airport near you. A holy man of the washcloth, cardinal law altars, boys' bonds, cardinal law altars, boys' bonds. Producers of the children comes another slice of real life terror. Reality Films presents the teenagers. Good night, kids. Remember to keep that stereo low. Okay, Ma. We promise. But teenagers, caught somewhere between childhood and adulthood. And the only thing that's certain is, they're all hooked. Hey, Mr. Kramer, tell your daughter I'm ready to take her to the slumber party. <laughs> but I thought that was just for girls. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll show you something just for girls. <laughs> when they go through puberty, you go through hell. The teenagers. For sure. <laughs> now destroying a living room near you. The Schmelling Mint introduces the definitive collection for the anal retentive. The feces of the species series. Yes, we are pleased to pass on to you the most exotic animal droppings collection available today. Our animal doodle replicas are handcrafted of the finest pewter. Order today, and your first stool will arrive in two weeks. A classic cow chip. For real, you can almost smell it. You'll marvel at the attention to detail, and be amazed at the enormity of the elephant and the cuteness of the bunny bullet. Order today, 
and you'll receive our special bird series. See what it looks like before it hits your windshield. Be a part of this powerful movement. There's no time to waste. Call now. The Theses of the Species Collection is going fast. You know, friends, chewing tobacco's become real popular. Seems like everywhere I go, more and more people are chewing up big mounds of tobacco and spitting out huge gobs of tobacco juice. But when it comes to real spitting pleasure, you can't beat new Great Expectorations chewing tobacco. It's not just another chaw. It's a way to shine your shoes. It's a concealed but legal weapon. Give me your money, man. Uh, uh, I can't see. Uh. Yep, thanks to Great Expectorations, you got the time to put your fist between his cheek and gum. It's even a convenient home decorator. Honey, can I have brown polka dot furniture? Sure, darling. Thanks, hon. Don't thank me. Thank Great Expectoration. It'll help you spit like the Dickens. And now, Language Lab, the show that teaches you a foreign language in less than 60 seconds. Today's lesson, Greek. Lesson one, strawberry pie. Strawberry pie. Lesson two, apple pie. Apple pie. Lesson three, pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie. Customer, what kind of pie do you have? Answer. Apple pie, strawberry, and punky. Language Lab is a public service and may not be copied or authorized for resale. Thank you. Did you ever think when you eat Chinese, it ain't pork or chicken but a fat Siamese, yet the food tastes great so you don't complain, but that's not chicken in your chicken chow mein. Seems to me I ordered sweet and sour pork. But Garfield's on my fork He's purring here on my fork There's a cat in the kettle at the Peking Moon The place that I eat every day at noon They can feed your cat and you'll never know Once they wrap it up in dough, boys They fry it real crisp in dough Chowlin asked if I wanted more as he was dialing up his buddy at the old pet store. I said, not today, I lost my appetite. There's two cats in my belly and they want to fight. I was sucking on a roll-it and a tums or two when I swear I heard it mew. And that is when I knew. There's a cat in the kettle at the Peking Moon. Think I gotta stop eating there at noon. They say that it's beef or fish or pork, but it's purring there on my fork. There's a hairball on my fork. Alright, they want us to find a way to reimburse for back pay. From 200 years ago, when they were slaves. <laughs> well, I only have a mobile home, a pit bull and a pinch of skull. So if you wanna ask me how, here's what I gotta say. Oh, you've got to kiss a nigger good morning. 
Tell them that you're sorry for enslaving them all. Kiss a nigger good morning. Are you sure? And that for everybody who is dead and gone. If I was born in 1802, owning slaves ain't something I'd do. But what for dead people did to you, I have to take the blame. Would you settle for an old Pontiac? Uh, no! With a can of smelly cherry in back. <laughs> Instead of 40 acres and a mule, I have a better way. You've got to kiss a nigger good morning. Plant one on Halle Barrett, Morgan Freeman, too. Yes, a nigger, good morning. And that's your restitution for enslaving you. Yes, a nigger, good morning. Okay. And tell them that you're sorry for enslaving them all. You got Yes, a nigger, good morning. And that's for everybody who is dead and gone. How about if it's Malcolm? That sounds okay to me. And I got a new Chad on Passion, speaking of that. A dangling what? Chad? I wonder if he's a hanging Chad. But at any rate, I sure don't want to find out. He's kind of bizarre. Okay, Martian uh, Schwarzer. Anyway, I think we got this uh, down to a science. I think what we're going to do is Wednesdays, noon to one. Not 11 to one, noon to one. Okay. Don't you think that's a good idea? 11 fine. to one is too long. You, you're right. It's driving into the ground. And not only that, but then I wind up playing a lot of stuff over. Not not that we don't have 80 million different bits, but I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm liking the stuff I'm playing today. Not that we don't hear uh, that last one often, but, you know, no. but nevertheless. Never wears thin, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know. 26 past noon at 560 WQM. It's a great day for the Irish. we got Jim Maddox coming up at 1. Hank Goldberg at 3. Speaking of the Irish, we got Marlins on deck at 630. The Marlins and the Spos at 705. Eddie Kay, good Irish boy at, uh, after the ball game. And then Joe and Mark, overnight 2 to 6. Joe's getting married, by the way. Oh! Want to go to that wedding? No. You'll have to bring an expensive gift. No. VIPSportsbook.com. Name sound familiar? It should because VIP Sportsbook is the only sports book to be endorsed by all the industry watchdog groups since back in 1996. The Casino Times News recent issue says you can look, you can search, you can scour, but you just aren't going to find a better overall sportsbook than VIPSportsbook.com. So here's the way to plunge your brains out. But maybe you're looking for more than just a world-class book that offers 24-hour VIP service and the safety of a leader. Maybe you're looking for a rocket scientist like Gary Sarner. Or how about the highest parley odds anywhere in the world, up to 2,001. Minimum bets of only 5 bucks and free withdrawals 24 hours a day and a 15% cash bonus added to your first deposit. And, of course, we're not talking about a jungle book located like somewhere way out in the uh, Everglades. We're talking about Dutch-based VIPSportsbook.com where you're treated with class and your money is safe. Sign up online to get a 15% cash bonus added to your account, or call them toll-free at 1-866-VIP-BETS. 1-866-VIP-BETS. It's easy to get started. Just go to VIPSportsbook.com, and don't forget, when you sign up online, you get you that 15% cash bonus. Punch your brains out. All the races at uh, Mohawk, for example, on Tony Kerwood and Randy Waples and Mike Saftick and all of those other goyam. Be a winner at VIPSportsbook.com, and don't forget about Rod Allen. VIPSportsbook.com, where you are the VIP. My and local. This is Sports Radio 560. QAQAM. $50. During this current economic downturn, there's only one place investors like you turn for dismal financial news. CNBC. 
CNBC prides itself on having top-notch reporters pacing nervously on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. Another panic-filled day on Wall Street today as gainers and losers were far outpaced by jumpers and wrist slashers. CNBC, with insightful forecasters who know just what happened to all the money that used to be in your 401k. Now it's time to take a look at mutual funds. Oh, man, that's enough of that. Only one cable channel gives you an informed head start on your financial future. CNBC. The latest figures indicate it's time to pull your money out of stocks and bonds and start looking into coffee cans and shovels. CNBC. When you used to have money, we used to matter. We'll be coming down Fifth Avenue upon St. Patty's Day. A great day for the Irish all across the USA. What be going on? What is this I hear? This crying ballyhoo. There's a bunch of queers again this year who say that Irish too. Oh, God loves the Irish. Unless, of course, you're gay. If you are, you won't be marching upon St. Patty's Day. You can be a bum, a bucket of scum. Sure, and that's okay. But you can't be Irish if you're gay. Now the order of Hibernians, both eminences gray, have delivered this pronouncement upon the blessed day. Sure, a little bit of heaven fell and nestled in the sea. But you're going straight to hell for homosexuality. Oh, God loves the Irish as long as men are men. Except perhaps the leprechauns, we've never been sure of them. You can be stinking drunk and hurling chunks, we'll laugh it all away. But you can't be Irish if you're gay. No, you can't be Irish if you're gay. No. Don't even try being Irish if you're gay. King Bush. King Bush. I stumble and I bumble just to talk is really hard Without pre-written notes from power over Andrew Card Keith Bush My brain is made of doo-doo Keith Bush But that don't seem to bug you Has no opposition and you have no opinion Keith Bush Legs pulse pretty high I'm outraged by the sudden wave of white-collar crime Unless, of course, the CEOs are old friends of mine. Pink Bush. That's as let Osama go. Pink Bush. That Harry Flasher, he's a homo. The Saudis, they attacked us, but who don't give a crap? It's Pink Bush. They're our friends. Rest assured, we're in pursuit of evil Jewish every day. Just like those drug lords being pursued by OJ. Pink Bush. You don't care what I'm doing. <laughs> and I thought I was stupid. The media controls you. You do what you told the King Bush. If you didn't see it on TV, it ain't true. The media's in our control with stories they're spinning. No matter what goes wrong, it will just blame it all on Clinton. King Bush. I don't have no interns going down. King Bush. I'm on a higher moral ground. Besides, I wouldn't know how. He's a moral grounder and a bug founder, King Bush. Hi, it's me, Richard, and guess what? I found another way for you to try to lose weight while I cash in. It's spanking to the oldies. Ow! Feel the burn in your butt till it glows in the dark. It's the high-impact video workout that won't let you sit down. Ow! I love it. Come on. 
right, leather glove. Raise those arms and start beating to the great. Ow! Hits like spank my booty. Fuck me with your best shot. And girls just want to. Ow! Get spanked. Would you stop for me? And so many more. And when you order, you'll also receive my new deal of squeal plan, too. <laughs> so come on. Not you. Put a healthy glow on those cheeks and start spanking to the oldies. Available at Boy Toys R Us. me and do exactly like I do? Get paid for writing little songs about boo-boo? My brain's all gone. I'm trying to get my groove on. But I can't figure out which Spice Girl I'm going to fart on. And Dr. Dre asked, Yo, man, you pass gas? Hell no. Why do I smell ass? Man, you low class. Well, since age 12, it seemed like I always smelled. I thought ripping gases and tooting was pretty swell. I got pissed off when I took my jeans off and farted so hard and turned my underwear backwards like crisscross. And every night I'm like, oh, dinner at last. Then fun out my ass faster than a fat bitch who ate too fast. Smell this, honey. Yo, dude, wait a minute. That's my girl, cuz. I don't give a fuck. God sent me to stink the world up. My anus. My anus. My anus. Teacher wanted me kicked out back in junior high. Said the problem was something crawled up my ass and died. I shot him in the face with my vapor. The worst happened later when I covered his desk with used toilet paper. Walked in the strip club, my intestines were filled up. Moved the bartender, took a dump in a tip cup. Went over to a dancer, had her fuck in her garter. She lifted her leg up, and I knew she was a farter. 99% of my life I was lied to. I just found out my mom's got more gas than I do. I told her I'd grow up to be a famous rapper. Make a record about strange noises made on the crapper. You know you blew dirt when the women rushed to leave. You try to hold it back, but your butt needed relief. This guy at White Castle said it was pretty cool. But I had to go. Go drop the kids off at the pool. My anus. My anus. Disgusting and tasty, oh, You make the shoved women smile 
play like a gal who's fat and sassy. Pink smelly fat, so repulsive and vile. Your body cheese smells like a crapper. After it was occupied by Ed Asner, need a shoehorn to get into your car. Cause you're too goddamn wide. Oink and squeal, oink and squeal, oink and squeal. Fat ladies living with your lover lesbian. Slobbering and snorting the tree between her knees. Mashed potato yeast. Smells fishy to me. Napping up a tuna that's moist and tasty. Twelve forty at five. I wonder if she owes you for all. 20 till 1 at 560 WQM. I guess more good news about Rosie. The TV show is gone. And guess what else? What else? No more magazine. Oh! She'd be out of the magazine business. Live and local. This, this is 560. The radio is all yours now. QAM. If I had the ability to do it, I'd take you out here right now and kick your goddamn teeth in. The following presentation is a paid commercial announcement for the Spanking It at Home system. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another fabulous edition of Orgasmic Discoveries. I'm your host, Dick Fister, and today we're going to find out about an amazing new breakthrough in home relaxation from the very same people who brought you the Wankmaster. It's the Spanking It at Home system. Not so fast, Dick. I don't want you to blow your award before we've even started. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's the inventor of the Spanking It at Home system, Peter Handler. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Peter, tell Tell us, how does your system work? Dick, what if I told you you could have an orgasm in the privacy of your own home at virtually no cost? Wow, I've always wanted to have an orgasm in my own home. Well, now you can. <laughs> and best of all, my spanking it at home system works in the bedroom. It works in the bathroom. It works in the den. In fact, it works anywhere you have curtains. Wow, sounds fantastic, Peter, but uh, is it safe? Sure, Dick. People have been doing it for hundreds of millions of years with absolutely no side effects. Unless you count a waste paper basket full of water up Kleenex. <laughs> but, Peter, tell me, is your spanking it at home system hard to learn? Trust me, Dick, it's so easy. Even a 15-year-old kid could do it in less than two minutes. Oh, gee, that almost sounds too good to be true. Well, believe it, Dick. Peter, you got to tell me, how can I start spanking it at home? It's easy. For just $19.95, you'll get my spanking it at home package, which comes complete with a subscription to the Spice Channel, Playboy's most recent back-to-campus issue, not to mention a 12-ounce bottle of lubricating moisturizer for your quote-unquote chapped elbows. Folks, is this terrific or what? I'm just getting started, Dick, because if you act now, I'll also show you how to beat it in the shower at no additional charge. Wow, and I take a shower every day. With more system, you'll start taking several showers a day. I can't wait. <laughs> to order the Spanking It at Home system, call 1-900-555-JERK. Not affiliated with the Bishop Beater 2000, Jackomatic, or the Popio Pocket Pounder, voidware prohibited by law or by your mom. Push is a sorry but f up. 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 Oh! Cheney said lay off the bed, ladies. He brought investigations to win it. They were getting 
Top 50, 10 till 1 at 560. Take a look at that poll result on a percentage. Okay. Oh, look at that. 6.66. Wow, that is really puke-inducing. Anyway, we asked today, what do you listen to most days in the noon to one hour? Like this hour. And the amazing part of it is, Romy picked up, picked up another vote this hour, just a couple minutes ago. Now, if they listen to Romy this hour between noon and one, how can they be voting on our poll? Do you follow what I'm saying? I got you. Neil, 322, 66.6%. El Anticristo. Bush, uh, Bush, Rush, same difference, 72. Bill O'Reilly, uh, 33. Jim Rome, Romy, 20. Other 19. And music, 17. Obviously not music on a radio. We're Sports Radio 560. QAM. Spread them and say cheese. 
I loved it immensely, except we didn't get to play that really good bit. What was that? Oh, with no time for it now. Which one? The brand new one that Boca Brian brought in. He brought in a whole bunch of them, but he said one of them was a must-play. Too long, too long, no time. Oh, that you have there, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's going to have to wait till tomorrow. How do you like that? 
Either that or we could, like, take, you know, a couple hours off of Mandich and uh, Hank. You know, we could do that. I don't think so, though. No. Because I already got my shirt on and I'm ready for, like, a nice lunch, something like that. Okay, we got the Mad Dog coming up next, 1 to 3. And then we got Hank from 3 to 6.30. A tough assignment for the Humper today, like three and a half hours. No uh, dumb jock in there to kill some time.